Hey, Dan. Hey, Rachel. Do you want to tell the listeners where we first met? I do not. Why don't you tell them anyway? We met at a vampire LARP in Milwaukee. Yes, we did. And do you know what LARP studio is sponsoring this Port Saga Megacut? I do not. Which studio is that? Jackalope Live Action Studios. Hey, don't they do that Sabat LARP, the night in question? Indeed they do. The best shovel-heading experience in Texas. I heard they produce other LARPs, too. That's right, Dayan. They produce rules-light LARP events in every style, from blockbuster to parlor, welcoming longtime LARPers and new players alike. Wow. Sounds fun, Rachel. Where can I go to learn more about Jackalope Live Action Studios? Well, Dayan, you can go to jackalope-larp.com. And they're the folks sponsoring this episode? Yes, they are. Praise Kane. The following episode contains adult content, violence, and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. He was standing over me like some fucking creep show. I need you to slow down. Breathe. Breathe. I was in bed, Aaron. In bed. I should call the cops. It's okay. We don't need to call the cops. We we don't need to call the cops. Why... Why, why didn't I call the cops? Who, who even does that? Random men in my bedroom and I call my girlfriend on the other side of town, but not 911? Who even does that? You do, Maya. And it's okay. I'm the exact person you're supposed to call. Just breathe. Breathe in. Breathe out. See? See, it's fine. We're good. Oh my god. I took you away from your party. I didn't even think about it. I promise you, it's okay. I lived through the 90s once already. I didn't need to do it again. I mean, you look terrific, by the way. And and your hair, it's so platinum. Don't worry, it's just a wig. Good, because you kind of look like Gwen Stefani mugged Winona Ryder for her clothes. It's a, it's a look. <laughs> Great. Perfectly 90s, then. Can we get back to the creep show in your bedroom, please? Yeah, of, of course. Sorry. I thought I heard the bedroom door, and I assumed it was you. I, I reached over, flipped the lamp on, and... Bogus? There he was. What did he look like? Tall. He had on this sort of long, tailored coat. Dark hair. What color was the coat? Uh, red brocade or, or something embroidered. That motherfucker. Tell me exactly what happened. I mean, I mean that that's kind of it. He stood there, he said something, and and then... What did he say? You will will drink drink only blood. blood. You will eat eat only ashes. Florence, I'll I'll kill him. Aaron, Aaron, please, please, Aaron! Aaron! Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga. An original World of Darkness drama created and produced by Rachel J. Wilkinson. Episode 1, You Can Never Go Home Again.
Saga police grapple with a staffing shortage as rising violence forces leadership to temporarily move veteran investigators to patrol the streets out. What makes you human? Is it because someone picked up a rock and used it as a tool a million years ago? Or is it because you can use that tool to carve an image on a cave wall just as easily as you can use it to bash in someone's skull? Does humanity come from our morality, then? Our sense of right and wrong, good versus evil? Our guilty conscience over bloody hands? Or is it what these hands touch? And who they hold? These are the questions my sire would ask me in his vain attempts to rescue my soul. Yes, Lawrence believed vampires have souls. Foolishly. Naively. Beautifully. Some would say this was an expression of his Malkavian madness, believing any vampire could be redeemed regardless of the blood we drink. How do you find redemption as a creature whose existence relies almost exclusively on violence and very rarely ever regret? We gonna have a problem? I've changed. Vampires don't change. Sheriff Everhart is one of the many reasons you never judge a vampire by how they look. If she's an inch over five feet... I'd be shocked. But, as a Bruja murder machine, she could still send me sailing across the dock with a single punch. Where's that cult you used to carry? Rusting. In a box somewhere. I doubt that. You understand the rules? I was born here. Made here. Spilled blood for the kindred here. Under the previous prince, maybe. But you've been gone a long time. So what, I'm a guest? You're a tourist. Now enjoy your stay and don't do anything stupid. I've got enough on my plate. Aye, aye, Sheriff. Titus Reed is cleared across the gangway. Roger. Uh, and Titus? What? Sorry about your sire. Yeah. Thanks. I don't know much about boats, but the prince's yacht looks expensive. Smart idea. Perfect for hosting small, isolated gatherings with the ability to sail off into the Atlantic in the event the Second Inquisition rolls into the city. Like they did in London, and Vienna, and Las Vegas. For thousands of years, we ruled with impunity. Killed folks for sport, doctored records, wiped memories. But the digital age changed everything. Now you can't use a cell phone without some NSA hack passing along your GPS location to First Light. Good evening, Mr. Reed. Evening. Phone? No. Devices? Nope. What's this? A beeper. Lock it up. Thank you, Mr. Reed. You're clear to enter. So every Malkavian has their particular quirk. An extra splash of insight or insanity. Depending on who you ask. Eight years chained to a piano gave me mine. For me, blood and music are one and the same, meaning every room I walk into, every space I inhabit, has a song. The best way I know how to explain it is from this story about this uh, bloodhound. This bloodhound was explaining why tracking scent was easy. For her, every scent had a unique color. So when she sniffed a missing kid's dirty shirt, it was like seeing a bright neon pink line floating into the distance. All she had to do was follow it. If only my 
quirk worth accommodating. Port Saga isn't as big as Moonlight Bay or some of the other cities that dot the eastern seaboard. But it's a Camarilla city. A true ivory tower port of call. Replete with ruthless corporations, corrupt politicians, shady cops, and enough hapless mortals to feed a hundred kindred or so. A dozen of them are here tonight. <laughs> Corpses love a good funeral. The prodigal son returns. Ezra? Ah, Primogen knocks. You took his title. The clan requires leadership. A little month or ere those shoes were old. Your sire dreamed of his child's return. Curious, it took death to accomplish this miracle. We were estranged. So you say. And, uh, Aaron? A lamb to slaughter. Primogen Knox. This thin blood problem. Titus, meet Miss Marlowe Voigt, whip of Clan Toyodor. Oh, am I interrupting? Miss Voigt, meet Mr. Titus Reed. Titus Reed? Oh, wait. Are you that, Titus? How many Tituses do you know? Fair. Brave you coming back to Port Saga. Child of former Primogen Bennett. Oh, of course. My sympathies. Reed. This is Dante Mendoza, primogen of Clan Tremere. We've met four or five times, yet he still calls me by my last name. Condolences. Primogen Bennett was a good man. Deeply missed. Thank you. You've been residing in Moonlight Bay? Yes. Remarkable city. Please extend my warmest regards to your prince. Has anyone seen Edmund? No, but Zelda is here. Starboard toward the stern. Mmm, always impressive Primogen Knox. One day, I hope to have sight as good as yours, though I don't know if I'd want to use it to spot Nosferatu. Never know what you'll find staring back at you. Miss Voigt? Primogen Mendoza. I assume your sire will also be absent this evening. Yeah, I know. What a drag, right? Primogen Quill is quite indisposed. So you keep reiterating. It is not unreasonable to assume the Elder has succumbed to the beckoning. I assure you Primogen Quill is snug as a bug at his estate. But I would be happy to do you the smallest of favors by arranging a visit with him on your behalf. Perhaps. We adjourn. The ghosts call us by name. In addition to the Primogen, the Prince is present. Prince Adelaide, Hale, and Lawrence had known each other their entire undead lives. They were in the same coterie, and relied on each other as dear friends. But he wouldn't know any of that from her perfunctory frown. It's hard to tell if their friendship waned after she took on the mantle of Praxis, or if her expression is an unfortunate consequence of being embraced Clan Ventru. Ventru aren't big fans of expressing emotion. I think they think it diminishes their kingly stature. But I feel for her. I truly do. When I first got the message of Lawrence's death, I didn't believe it. Or accept it. Or... I don't know. He was always, always there. I should have been allowed my rebellion without regret because he was supposed to be always, always there. 
Then, when it finally sunk in, I had space to rage, to be insane with grief. At least that's one of the few silver linings of the Malkavian curse. You can almost say or do anything you want, and everyone just goes along with it, smiling and nodding and pretending nothing is happening for fear of insulting the most unpredictable clan in the Camarilla. But to be a venture is to have every gesture scrutinized by a dozen eyeballs searching for the opening to ruin you. I do not envy them. When she learned of Florence's death, was she allowed to rage? What sympathy was she shown? What condolence was she offered? Venture grieve alone and in silence. And so I closed the distance between us. Mr. Reed. Your Majesty, thank you for allowing me to be here. How long are you staying? Just for the funeral. I should say something so she knows someone here mourns with her. But I'm a tourist, and she is the Sovereign Prince. Your sire spoke very highly of you. I valued his wisdom and his guidance. And were he here now, I would ask him what to do with you. I don't understand. Kindred, gather so that we may remember our friend. So the rumors are true. ex right? Her name is Constance, Clan La Sombra. They say she murdered half her pack to be welcomed with her clan when they joined the Camarilla. That is what they say. It would appear Port Saga has drawn the short straw. And now, I have a shadow darkening my doorstep. Why isn't she in Chicago with the rest of them? She is ambitious. But I will not let her turn my city into a halfway house for broken creatures. If you need help, I... No. While your wet work was of great value to my predecessor, this is a different era. There is too much risk in bloody business. Prince Hale, Mr. Reed, would you kindly join us for Primogen Bennett's eulogy? Gladly, Constance. Speak with me after. Of course, Prince. As I approach the pedestal on which they have placed Lawrence's marble urn, Constance, draped in black, takes center stage. Cain, firstborn son, offered the brightest fruits to God. His brother Abel slaughtered the firstlings of his flock. God accepted Abel's flock, but not Cain's fruit. Blood, it would seem, was the path to the Almighty's good grace. Given this newfound wisdom, when time came to make their second offering, Cain murdered his brother by bashing his head in with a rock. Cain then presented the broken bones and blood to God. And for his sacrifice, the sacrifice God had shown he preferred, God cursed Cain and cast him into the wilds, east of Eden, into the land of Nod, Cain, the first murderer. Cain, the first vampire. From Cain came three childer. And from these three childer came thirteen more. And from these thirteen... Every kindred knows this story. And together... That's what it is. A story. Some cling to their fragments from the Book of Nod or claim they saw Cain hanging out at a Denny's in, like, Wichita. But no one knows. No one has a clue. Anyone who might... Anyone old enough to have met a kindred who knew a kindred who was there, they all fell to the beckoning and fled to parts unknown. 
which is really convenient. Like Cain, we each choose what is sacred to us, what burdens are worth bearing while blessed, as we are, with the luxury of time. Time to consider our past actions. Time to consider our fate. Time to count the dead and dying left in our wake. As we weigh our crimes on the scales of justice, we ask, can I be redeemed? Is forgiveness possible for one such as me? Lawrence Bennett would say, yes, no matter our past, because he understood that despite our vampiric nature, despite our age and might, we are still human of a sort. Primogen Bennett kept vigil over his humanity through service to others. He ran his soup kitchen, tending to the sick and needy, he helped those plagued by an addiction to drugs and alcohol. He was honorable and decent, a rare thing among kindred. We honor that. We honor him. And may his memory serve as a reminder that no one is beyond redemption. Her black eyes linger on me in unspoken judgment. A somber think they know everything. So smug they are with their Dark Knight bullshit. Listen, Kindred die all the time. In a year or five, she won't even remember his name. Right now he's just a means to an end for a political win. Same for every other Kindred walking up to me to shake my hand. Half of them wouldn't even speak to me until the prince made it socially acceptable. Even a Banu Akeem, which... Jesus... The cam starts getting their asses handed to them by the second inquisition and suddenly we're passing out club cards to vampires who've been taking contracts out on us for 500 years. He introduces himself as Usher, shakes my hand, and moves along. Small blessings. Where's Prince Hale? Why is there a Banu Akeem at my sire's memorial? Usher is a contributing member of my city. Banu Akim, a Sombra, a Bruja Sheriff. How progressive for a Ventru. And how meddlesome for someone who says they are only here for a funeral. I'm not here to cause trouble. Port Saga is no longer your home, Mr. Reed. I advise you to return to Moonlight Bay as soon as possible. They no doubt need your talents far more than I do. I understand. Good. I need some air. I expected this. I did. They only know me as I was, not as I am. They're picturing me with a... with a pair of pistols and a stack of bodies. They don't trust me. They think I'm a psychopath. They think I'm just another insane mouth with no self-control. A lunatic. A mad hatter. A low clan. Titus! This doesn't make any sense. Why would she kill her own primogen? The prodigal son's absence has been long. Lawrence and Aaron, arguments, embarrassments, boons exchanged. Aaron played with fire and set ablaze his house of serenity. The rec center? Sunrise Park Recreation Center. It's where Lawrence ran his AA meetings. Where he first laid eyes on me. He'd get this stupid grin on his face every time he told me to meet him at sunrise. <laughs> it wasn't until he put the bite on me did I understand the irony. The janitor perished. Lawrence was fury and rampage. 
Two moons after Miss Voigt hosts a costume party, Aaron rushes out under word a loved one had been harmed. Lawrence arrives. Aaron returns. They step out into the moonlight and doom ensues. Aaron shoots Lawrence twice with dragon's fire. Aaron confessed to Rebel Everhart, and the sheriff begged the prince for mercy. Did she grant it? Prince Hale is taking the week. Where is Aaron now? Staked. Custody of Sheriff Everhart. The prince is smart. You don't let Kindred out on bail. Not with a possible death sentence. Not even with a confession. Should have just killed her and been done with it. Titus. As soon as the thought pops into my head, I regret it. And where were you when all this went down? Out of the city. That's convenient. Aaron is innocent. What makes you say that? Aaron doesn't remember the act. Aaron doesn't remember a lot of things. Lawrence would never harm a mortal. Not knowingly, not out of spite. You know this. So tell them that. I did. They say I have no proof, which is true. They say I am biased, which I am. Why is that? Aaron is my friend. Lawrence, my partner. My cold heart cracks. It's a hairline fracture. I'll survive. He's dead. Nothing changes that. You got who did it. I'm just a tourist, remember? Wait. I'm going back to the bay. Stay. Be whip. What? Erin is innocent. She confessed. She is your coterie mate. Former coterie mate. And let's not forget who left who in that affair. Speak to her. I have duties back in Moonlight Bay. You owe me. And there it is. Press station. The currency of vampires everywhere. Too minor. One trivial. Wipe the debt clean for a single conversation. I knew I shouldn't have come back to this... this... Home. The suspension on Rebel's truck has shot to shit. With every bump, sending shockwaves up my ass. Pickup has got to be older than both of us combined. Just saying something. The bronze city lights of Port Saga fly by my window. Dash clock reads four zeros, but my watch chimes two. Older folks have long packed it in, but the young bloods are out in force. It's the hour of bad decisions. Every time a dinner bell rings, a bloodsucker earns their fangs. How long are you staying? Why does everyone keep asking me that? Because no one wants you here. It was six years ago, Rebel. Sasha's still dead. She had a younger broodmate, a brother, so to speak. Some might suggest that I'm the reason he ashed. It may have been six years, but you volunteered him and you still haven't taken responsibility for that. Or what it did to Eren. Hey, she's the one who beat feet back to Port Saga. She let all of us hang. She loved him, you asshole. In case you haven't noticed, we're up to our necks and shit. Second Inquisition. 
thin bloods, missing kids, and one dead primogen. The last thing we need is a Titus Reed. Ezra called in a boon to talk to Aaron. I do that, I go home. Aaron came back a fucking mess, and the rest of us, including your sire, had to pick up the pieces. And now he's dead. And Aaron's either going to end up without a head, or she'll owe the prince so many boons, she might as well be. She really kill him? One of the Toreador saw her do it. And she confessed. So yeah. She really killed him. We turn into a self-storage garage. Past the main gate is row after row of orange doors. Inside alone, Ghoul gets up from a folding chair and stands at attention. He's armed. Probably some ex-military meathead. Looks like he hasn't taken a shit for a week. <laughs> and in the back, inside a long, shallow box, lays Aaron McKenna, frozen in time, with a hunk of wood in her chest. You sure about this? I nod. Without missing a beat, Rebel yanks the stake out of Aaron's chest. As the shaft exits her sternum, Aaron bolts upright. She's practically a husk. Are they starving her? Or is it blood loss from the gaping hole in her chest? She glowers at me. What took you so long? Episode 2, The Stories We Tell Ourselves. What took you so long? Traffic was backed up on I-95. For six years? You look terrible. Starving does that. I'd offer you my neck, but... uh... I'd rather eat fire. We glance at the meathead, and a nod from Rebel is all it takes. Without missing a beat... Aaron grabs his arm, extends her fangs, and bites down. A thin trail of blood rolls down her chin. The smell makes me hungry. All right, that's enough. I can get something from the rack for you later. Yeah. Why are you here? Came back for Lawrence. Oh, I see. He had to die before you decided to care about him. Do not. Aaron, I swear to Christ, I will execute you myself. Oh, look at all that change. Both of you can go to hell. Boone paid. I am done with this. Oh, of course! Boons! Jesus! You know, for a minute I thought you might have given like an actual fuck. But no. Fuck you. Just go, get the fuck out. Let me die in peace. Gladly. Aaron, shut up. Titus, sit your ass down. Are you kidding me? Okay. I'm going to step outside and deal with this. 
If either of you gets out of hand, I'll put wood in both your chests. Fine. I'll be right back. Silence falls between us as we search for what to say. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're friends with someone and everything's great? You're talking all the time. But then something happens. You get busy, or they get busy. And next thing you know, it's been six months since you've said a word to each other. At that point, you feel like an asshole. You don't know what to say, so you don't say anything. But then you blink. And another six months have passed. And now you really can't drop in on them out of nowhere. What do you do at that point? You could have written him a letter. And say what? I'm sorry, Lawrence, but I can't be with you. When I see you, I'm reminded of every time I wasn't good enough for you. And P.S., let me also include this shiny list of all your double standards and hypocrisies. It would have been a start. You wouldn't have gone anywhere. We'll never know. And whose fault is that? Yeah. Ezra says you're innocent. Ezra may have the gift of sight, but I don't think he's right this time. He said it was another one of your, uh... It's okay. You can say it. Episodes. I was talking to my friend one minute, and the next I was covered in her blood and Lawrence was dead. Let me get this straight. You're at Quill's party. Yeah, 90s theme. At Club Neptune. Yeah. Was Quill there? I'm not sure. Marlo was hosting. But it was a costume party, so maybe? What did you go as? How is that relevant? Humor me. Well, I didn't really go as anything. I just... I, um... What is it? Maya made this comment about Gwen Stefani and Winona Ryder, and it was ridiculous. But I had this platinum wig on, and that's why she... I mean, she had this weird sense of humor. But I loved it. And her. And Hale should just get it over with. So, generic grunge girl with platinum hair. Aren't you even listening to me? I killed her! I am listening. You leave the party and drive to Maya's place. She says Lawrence threatened her. You black out, kill Maya, drive back to the party, kill Lawrence, then drive back to Maya's place and- Couldn't drive back. Why not? Because apparently the incendiaries set the SUV on fire. Meaning you what? Walked back to Maya's? I guess. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's what happened. People saw me do it. Lawrence is dead. Maya's dead. And I'll be dead soon enough. Ezra said that you burned down the rec center. It wasn't like that. Lawrence was fucking with me. He boonleashed me to all those assholes. I was so pissed. And I knew he cared about that place. So yeah, I torched it. And killed someone in the process. I didn't know about the janitor, I swear to you. I swear on Sasha, I didn't know. So you come to it, Maya's. Except she's dead. What did you use to kill Lawrence? My shotgun. What happened to it? Rebel said it got burnt in the fire. How did you even get Dragon's Breath rounds? Rebel, I was working on a thing with her. What thing? I can't talk about it. You have an execution hanging over your head. I can't talk about it. Rebel showed up at Maya's in her capacity as sheriff. I told her what happened. She said I could either run, get blood hunted, and die, or I could confess and ask for leniency. And... Here you are. Here I am. As I stand, 
I summon the gifts of my blood and strengthen my insight. The light in the room shifts, and Aaron's aura manifests, a wild violet pulsing with the music of the room. She's scared. She isn't under the influence of some sorcery. All right, sit tight. Look into it. I'll be at the depot. They let you use a cell? It's a burner. For emergencies. You done? Are you buying this fugue story? I've seen it happen. But she was getting help. From who? Lawrence? No. Herbin Jin Mendoza was working with her. Tremere? His background is in psychiatric research. And he's done more for her in two years than all you Malks did in ten. When you found her... Did she say anything? She confessed. Told me what happened. Took her back to her place, got her cleaned up, changed, then brought her here and boxed her. I need Maya's address. The hell you do. I need to see the crime scene. Both of them. Ezra bought you a conversation. Time's up. You don't think it's the least bit odd that she has one of her... episodes? But is able to drive across town, kill Lawrence, destroy the evidence... And then walk back to Maya's covered in blood, and no one sees anything? Yeah, I agree. It's weird, but Adoriador Welp saw her. She has no alibi, no evidence to exonerate her. And she burned a building down, killing someone in the process. And possibly breaking our most important tradition, the masquerade. As much as I wish she were, she is not innocent. I know she isn't innocent. None of us are. I don't think she killed Lawrence. Go home before you make any of this worse. It's all I want to do. Go back to the bay. And then what? Wait for couriers with grim tidings? Pass the time fighting block by block in an unwinnable war against the Anarchs? While while the people I care about fall one by one? Rebel, you don't want to see Aaron executed. You want to protect her, which I understand. And I know you have no reason to trust me, but I am asking. Let me see the crime scenes, please. (sighs) Get me two more nights, then I'll go. I don't know. Sasha refused to leave my side. And he died because of it. He was loyal, and I... I was selfish. Give me the chance to prove that I'm not who I was. Two nights, Titus. Then you go. Sunrise comes soon. Even if I wanted to leave Port Saga, I couldn't. There isn't enough time. And regardless of TV and movies, there are no magic daylight rings. Slathering yourself in sunscreen doesn't work either. Hollywood makes being a vampire look so cool. Hot bodies, tons of sex, you get to live forever, tearing off heads. What's not to like? The truth is more complicated, of course. You're still a corpse, frozen in time. You'll outlive everyone you've ever known and loved, and you'll never see the sun again. 
period. Thankfully, my key to Lawrence's haven still works. I open the door and the woodsy scent of his cologne reaches deep into my memories. We spent five years together here. Mostly good, until the end. Everything ends. We all know that. It's, it's exactly the way I left it. Dust blue walls with tall windows facing the Atlantic. The ocean always seemed to calm him. The same leather furniture rests on top of the same rust-colored Turkish rug. He has the same pictures on the mantel, the same red brocade coat on the hook by the door. And he still has the ugliest sculpture you ever saw on the table. $7,000 for a handmade crystalline skull. Let's ignore the fact that it is the most cliche thing he could ever possess, but oh, the irony. First, it's only half the skull, just the upper half, and stops at the teeth. Second, had it been black or red or even blue, you could have at least seen the skull, but no, it's clear glass. So it just looks like some crystal elemental took a shit on his coffee table. God, I miss him. The counter where we kissed for the first time. The balcony where we watched the fireworks each year study, where we threw ultimatums and said things you can't take back, where we had the argument that cut my timeline in two. Now everything's before that fight, and after. I walked down the hall to the room that was once mine. That should be a comfort at least, to have unchanged. Saga is a cruel hell. It's gone. The bed, the desk, even the walls are painted over. He erased me. But, but there's a piano. An upright piano in classic, polished ebony. It's a music room. He built a goddamn music room. Aaron said I don't care about anyone. I don't believe that's true. The next night, I head to Maya's. The house is a small, one-story bungalow in a residential neighborhood. Sheriff and her people already took Maya's body, but she held off on cleanup. Living room shows signs of a struggle. Couch is crooked, overturned table... There's a person-sized dent in the wall. Blood splatter is wild and chaotic. Not the kind you might get from a bullet. More like an animal attack. The body fell in the kitchen. There's a pool of blood on the tile. It's consistent with Aaron losing control. But the music's all wrong. These are the signs of a violent, chaotic act, right? The music should match that, but instead it, it, it's precise, ordered, controlled, strategized, planned. Staged? Alright, so the theory is Aaron arrives. Maya says Lawrence threatened her. 
Aaron's so angry she loses control, frenzies, blacks out, kills Maya, and then, while still in a state, drives back to the party. She gets Lawrence outside, kills him, and then walks all the way back. Is that even possible? I mean, can you even drive in the middle of a fugue state? It's a 20-minute drive between Maya's place and Club Neptune, a dance club in downtown Port Saga. In between are two rotaries and a dozen stoplights. How does Aaron make this drive? How does she... Shit. Need a phone. Uh, hmm. The drunken banshee. That'll do. I need to use your phone. Is that a beeper? Yes. No cell? If I had a cell, would I need to borrow yours? Sorry. Phone's for paying customers. Then I'll pay. What'll you have? Beer. What kind? Whatever's on tap. They pay me to serve drinks, not pick them out for folks. Fine. That one. Now give me the phone. One new message at 10.14 p.m. It's after 10, and I'm looking at an empty chair. Why am I looking at an empty chair, Mr. Reed? Were I you, I'd probably make it a priority to get back to the city to avoid any potential consequences. Have a pleasant evening. Shit. Seven bucks. I toss him a ten. But even if I weren't an undead creature of the night, I wouldn't take a drink. I spent too many years in AA to waste it on some Appalachian microbrew. Still have my five-year chip. To thine own self be true. Interesting choice, given Polonius was a scheming bastard. Good evening. We begin tonight with breaking news. Another person has gone missing in Port Saga, Virginia, making it the seventh victim in recent months. Deputies are still searching for Marcus Pratt, age 22, who went missing three weeks ago. With a string of fires adding to the unease of the city, Port Saga police have asked for assistance from hey, state troopers and emergency responders. No. Come on, don't be like that. Be a man. Buy me a drink. My friend left me. That bitch. She took my wallet, and now my glass is empty. Look at this sad face. Hey, how about you a drink? You a man? I'm a man. <laughs> you a man. Forget this loser. I'll buy you whatever you want. You're my hero. You're... Oops! <laughs> hey. Sorry, bro. Lady seems to have made her choice. Leave her be. You drink your drink. Aw, oh, come on, man. Don't make a scene. She's fine. She's fine. I'm fine. Let's have a chat. I sit my hand on the back of this asshole's neck and walk him over to the door. Dude. Seriously, we're good. He's pretty quick to realize something's not quite right about it. I see him trying to do the math. He's bigger than me. Not by a lot. 
but enough that I shouldn't have been able to shuffle him along like a toddler in trouble. What do you think would happen if I stuck my fingers in your eye sockets and pulled real hard? What's wrong with you? 99% of the time you should abide by the masquerade around mortals. It's the first of all traditions. Blend in, hide in plain sight, that's how you stay alive. But then there's that 1% where you let just a whisper of that facade drop. Just enough to let that predatory gleam shine in your eye. What the fuck? If I stick my fingers in both your sockets and pull real hard, I'll detach your retina. You go blind. Then you've got about mm, 24 hours to get emergency surgery. And and you know what eyeballs feel like when you've got them in your hand? No? No? Never had eyeballs in your hands before? Hmm. Well, how about if you don't walk out of here right now? I'll make sure you have the chance. Fucking psychopath. I'm out. Hey, where are you going? You're going to buy me a drink. Asshole. Barkeep. I can't have you pushing patrons out the door. Apologies. Here. One, two, three hundred. Use this for his tab. and your trouble. And call this woman a lift. I'll wait. In this rain, the alley behind Club Neptune shimmers like a dirty yellow brick road. Light from a giant neon blue Neptune sign doesn't quite reach back this far from the street, but the puddles in the alley's cracked pavement reflect his golden trident. Not sure who owns the club yet, but the tour to arranged for the private party on the night of Lawrence's murder. And here, in the back alley, plain as night, is a scorched section of the pavement where the car burned. Where Lawrence died. Expanding my senses, I smell fresh rain and wet garbage from the dumpster, smoke and fuel from the burned bricks, tall buildings with plenty of windows surround me, no security cameras, and I hear rushing rain stream down the alley toward the storm grate at the corner. If I were older, or more powerful, I could read this place better. I could touch the ground and get a sense of what happened. But I can't do that, and I don't have anyone I trust enough to do it for me. At least not here in Port Saga. What am I doing? How much foot traffic has this alley seen since then? No car, no body, no weapon, no shell casing. Any evidence washed away with the rain. What the hell did I expect to find? There it is again, that music. Methodical, like a, like a signature fading fast. Same person who killed Maya also killed Lawrence, which makes sense on paper, for Aaron. But she was either in a frenzy or a fugue. This whole thing just... This whole thing is just wrong. I peer at the flow of rainwater something off about it. Like it's moving slower than it should? I follow it. I follow it. I follow it all the way to the storm grate. Abracadabra. There it is. 
Hanging under the cover from tangled strands is a platinum blonde wig. What the fuck? Episode 3. Mergers and Executions. Every kindred has three names. There's the name you're born with, the name you use in kindred society, and the name on the ID you hand the cops when they pull you over. Yes, when you see flashing red and blue lights in your rear view, the smart vampire pulls over. You might be inclined to snap their necks like twigs, but cops usually come in pairs. And dash cameras. Before you know it, you've got two dead cops on the side of the road, an APB out for your car, and a blood hunt hanging over your head for violations of the masquerade. It's easier to show the nice officer your ID, apologize for speeding, and be on your way. This is why choosing the right name is important. Eventually, that ID you had on you when you were embraced will expire. Or it'll say you're 60 when you look 25. Acquiring a false identity isn't hard. Between Toridor forgers, Ventru black marketeers, and Nosferatu hackers, fooling the IRS or Uncle Sam is just a matter of money or boons. All you have to do is pick the name. But that's the tricky part. Alright. A name like Jane Smith is innocuous, but suspiciously so. On the other hand, no one will ever forget a name like Wilhelmina Flagenheimer, which isn't great either. And if you pick a name like Samael Darkhammer or Crimson Blood Moon, your ID will be remembered, flagged by the NSA, and passed on to the Second Inquisition by Sunrise. So, when they told me the eyewitness was a middling rock star named Lysander Valentine... I thought, how is this cat still alive? Leave it to the Torridor to get away with bullshit like this. Whoever that is, you better not be creeping outside my door. Titus Reed. They sent a courier over about me. Come in. Thanks for seat. <laughs> and now I get it. See, Torridor come in two types. Talented or pretty. Sometimes they're both, but never neither. Let's just say no one cares if this man can sing. Don't stand there catching flies, baby. He uses a lit cigarette in his hand to point at a cluttered couch that's seen better days near the door. I push aside empty Marlboro packs, a purple lace bra, and a boat shoe so I have enough room to perch in the front edge of it. The sheriff already talked to me about this. But my clanmate's life is at stake. Mm. So you understand why I might want to talk to the only eyewitness of my sire's murder. Well, as long as you don't hit me with any of that milk shit, I guess I have a few minutes before I go on. What were you doing outside Club Neptune? I was having a smoke. Can't smoke inside? Well, of course I can. But you ever flick a bick in a room full of vampires? One whelp loses their shit, and baby, I got a mass murder on my hands. I'm not gonna put that on my soul. But you have no problem with fire. <laughs> Two packs a day, bitch. 
every day for 20 years. Did you know I had cancer? Terminal. Good thing I got embraced, so now every time I smoke, I step outside and take a big, long drag, look up at the sky and say, fuck you, nice try. Which is how you saw Aaron and Lawrence leave the club? Uh, no. I was on the side of the building, baby. They were in the back alley. But when they started yelling, I turned to look, you know, shit going down between two of your clan can get wild as fuck. What did they yell? I don't know. Lawrence yelled something. Then I turned the corner and they were fighting. Fighting? Uh, yeah. They were hanging on to each other like two hogs humping through a screen door. Then Aaron kind of does this super quick sidestep thing and tosses Lawrence into the back of the SUV. Bitch, she shot him twice, which I guess was filled with fire rounds because Lawrence and the SUV, it went up like California in July. And then? Aaron chucks the weapon into the SUV, kicks the door shut, turns to look at me, then bamps. I assume, bolted. She saw you? Mm-hmm, she did. But she didn't try to kill you? <sighs> T. I need you to lean in here, baby, if you're going to have trouble keeping up. I told you, bamfed, disappeared, got gone. Isn't that one of y'all special gifts? Why do I have to fucking explain this to you? I restrain the urge to hurt this person. I'm surprised you didn't run with a fire as bright as that. Don't waste my time if you aren't going to pay attention. Two packs a day, every day. That's my Zippo. Coming up to my face 40 fucking times a day, 280 times a week, 14,000 times a year. No milk barbecue from 50 feet away gonna scare me. Uh, five minutes to your on, Mr. Valentine. Five minutes to your on. Thank you, five. Sorry, T. That's my cue. Was Aaron wearing a wig? Ugh. With that sad, blood-stained costume she was. How blood-stained? Covered in it. From the fight with Lawrence? Uh, I don't think so. Baby, like I said, she tossed him in the back of the SUV and put two in his fucking chest. So where'd that blood come from? Who's to say? Now off with you. I need to hydrate. Ella! Where you at? Next on my list is Primogen Mendoza, which takes me to Port Saga University. His office and research fiefdom is in the Wyth building, the oldest building on campus. Coming back here, I feel like it's 1990, and I'm 18 again. I was a broken, confused music major and a chorus of broken, confused music majors. In three years, I drop out. In four, I drown my liver in vodka. And in five... I'm wrapping my Ford Escort around a stop sign. I never stood a chance. Enter. He has a utilitarian office. No family photos, no knickknacks. Instead, he has a phalanx of books on every shelf and a puzzle in mid-assembly spread out on a table. He stands over it with a piece in his hand. Read. Pick a piece. Join me. What's the puzzle? It's a mystery. My ghoul chose it for me. You don't know what it looks like. What would be the challenge in that? 
I suspect it's an 18th century European painting. He's worked out about half the frame, along with a few finished clusters positioned like jagged islands waiting to come together. I don't know anything about art. No better way to learn than to begin. Here, take this. It has a spot of yellow. Match it to other pieces with the same and pull them to the side. Treat it like a smaller puzzle within a larger one. He puts the piece in my hand, and just like that, I'm hooked. A minute goes by as I hover over the table, pairing my spot of yellow against others. We work together for a bit in companionable silence. You had questions as part of your investigation? I did. Were you there that night at Club Neptune? I was. Did you see Aaron leave? I did. I saw her on the landline in the club's business office. She seemed troubled by the call and left. Do you remember when? A little after eleven. What were you doing in the club office? Not in. Near. I was waiting for Glass. He wanted to discuss city business. I thought he would be in his office, but he never showed. Then what happened? Bennett arrived shortly after. Closer to midnight, Aaron returned. What did she look like? The lighting made it difficult to see. Was she wearing a platinum wig? I believe so, yes. Ah, there it goes. Now, do you see the background there? I wonder if that is a curtain forming. I, uh, I found a wig near the crime scene. Interesting. I wonder, hmm. What's that? I wonder if you should speak with Glass. Why? Because he owns the club. Security for the gathering, including the surrounding area, would fall under his purview. Any cameras? Possibly. Do you think she did it? Why confess if she didn't? Someone could have messed with her mind. Like a Ventru? They certainly have the power to. They do. And Tremere. And Malkavians. But I take your point and forgive you for adding my name to your list of suspects. So... I think this is why different clans have similar powers of the blood. And it's not because of Cain or some curse from God. I think our talents evolved through natural selection. Suppose, for the sake of argument, vampires are cursed in one way or another. Vampires who develop survival skills live long enough to pass those advantages down the line. For example... If our survival hinges on our ability to blend in with the human population, vampires who can blend in will live longer than those who can't. Now, take a vampire who, when turned, is disfigured by the blood. You're thinking Nosferatu, right? Natural selection suggests those who can hide their appearance live longer than those who can't shake the mobs carrying torches and pitchforks. So you have to wonder, which came first? The curse, or the clan? Is clan Nosferatu and their skill at hiding their disfigurements just the result of a spontaneous supernatural mutation that gave ugly vampires a survival advantage? Or take Malkavians, out-of-our-mind lunatics. Rationality makes us easy targets, and we don't always make good choices. Now, what do prey animals have that predators don't? Eyes on the sides of their head, so nothing sneaks up on them and eats them. 
So look at me, not being completely unshocked that Malkavians have excellent senses, can hide, and can fuck with people's heads to control and confuse the mobs that hunt them. This idea of predator talents versus prey talents is also where I think we get this high clan, low clan bullshit. But that's a different rant for a different night. Uh, I've been treating Aaron's dissociative disorder for some time. I believe the catalyst is early childhood trauma, but the nature of Malkavian blood has exacerbated her inability to cope. I suspect this may apply to the rest of your clan as well. What kind of trauma? Any, really. Physical, emotional, psychological. Like a kid imprisoned for years? Curiously specific example, but yes. That would certainly qualify as trauma. For those with dissociative fugue, it is their way of coping with extreme emotional stress. They become unable to attach memories to specific times and locations. In essence, their brain stops recording. It pushes pause on the tape for hours, days, sometimes weeks. Could someone drive while in a fugue state? Have you ever driven to a familiar location and arrived with no memory of the trip? Sure, but Aaron's actions had forethought, planning, strategy. She threw Lawrence into a car, set him on fire, and then trapped him in it. When she was spotted, she disappeared to avoid capture. Ah, spot of yellow. I think these pieces fit. Well done. I've seen her have episodes before. They were always short, a few hours tops, and never, never that coordinated. Remember, she's kindred. Her brain carries no electrical stimuli, not like a living one. And these psychological disorders are made more complicated because she belongs to a clan that, no offense, encourages this state of being. You assume there is a set of rules to her instability. There isn't. There can't be. She alone determines her state of being. Then why bother helping her? Because I was asked. And because it never hurts for the sheriff to owe you a favor. Rebel asked for your help? She did. Do you happen to know... Enter. Delivery for Professor Nettle. Thank you. The courier hands Dante a beige package. Inside is a blood-red envelope. Professor Nettle? Pseudonym for the courier service. I am being summoned. By? Prince Hale. She calls the Primogen to witness Aaron's execution. What? I thought we had a week. Obviously, something has changed. This is bullshit. Reed, pull yourself together. I want to help Aaron, so I want to help you. Glass is coming with a car. I will vouch for you to accompany us. Thank you. Save your thanks. Don't make me regret the invitation. Unlike Everhart's broken-down truck, the Ventru Primogen's SUV smells of leather luxury. A driver, undoubtedly a ghoul, moves through traffic with precision. Dante rides shotgun. I'm behind the driver, and to the right of me is Primogen Glass jotting down figures in what looks similar to a reporter's notebook, but is probably ten times more expensive. He and I met a few times while he was Hale's whip, but only really know each other in passing. (laughs) This guy... This guy, I will never forget this one time. 
I saw three Anarchs coming in hot for him. I thought I would have no choice but to go in there and rescue him and potentially lose my unlife for it, but this guy. Sure enough, by the end of the night, the trio walked away peacefully and handed Glass 50 grand to invest. My sympathies for your loss. Lawrence and I were friends, he said without looking up from his notebook. You, uh, weren't at the funeral. Couldn't be helped. If I attended the funeral of every kindred I knew, I'd never get anything done. But what? You make exceptions for executions? Now he puts the pen down. This isn't an exception. It's a summons. What's the issue? Construction. Do we need to make a call? Not yet, sir. Traffic's still moving, albeit slow. Fine. Glass, Reed here has some questions he'd like to ask about the nights at Club Neptune. Go ahead. We appear to have the time. You own Club Neptune? I do. Is there any security footage from the club that night? Of course not. That would be a violation of the masquerade. What about cameras in the general area? Side streets, stoplights? Yes, but the servers were down for maintenance that evening. That's convenient. It's practical. Are you trying to insinuate something? Not yet. Read. It's all right. I don't mind. You got any witnesses saying I was involved, kid? No. Any hard evidence? No. There's your answer. If I'd wanted Lawrence dead, I know people. I wouldn't hire some amateur to set up a bonfire in the middle of downtown. Which I had to clean up, by the way. Ask yourself who had the most to gain. Who's sitting in his chair right now? Ezra wouldn't have done that. Yeah? Lawrence and Ezra were lovers. <laughs> because lovers have never killed each other. You wouldn't use Aaron like that. Maybe she and Ezra were working together. I'm starting to think she was manipulated and framed. Maybe that's just what she wants you to think. If anyone had a motive to kill Lawrence, it was Aaron McKenna. What motive? No one told you. Wow. Wow. Ezra has you on a goose chase. What motive? Aaron came back broken from Moonlight Bay. A couple of years ago, when she was on her feet again, she started working with the sheriff on some secret project. Very bloody. Very hush-hush. Lawrence decides to intervene. He forces her to quit working with the sheriff to be his gopher and driver. He has her driving him from here to there, fetching packages at all hours of the night. She hates it, of course. So one night, we're in the middle of a primogen meeting. And she kicks in the door, stomps to the table, slams this package down in front of Lawrence and says, Here, your majesty. <laughs> Lawrence demands an apology. She tells him to go fuck himself. Then she says we can all go fuck ourselves. If she'd had her head on straight, she would have seen Prince Hale, who had dropped in for an update, at the other end of the table. She realized her predicament. Lawrence demanded she offer restitution for the insult. She left that meeting up to her eyeballs in boon debt. The next night, she set fire to the Sunrise Park Rec Center. Killed a janitor in the process. Which, I mean, hey, who cares? Well, Lawrence cared. He even approached the prince asking to sanction her for endangering the masquerade. Did she? Didn't get a chance. Two nights later, we're at Club Neptune. But was she going to? 
You can ask her yourself. We're here. Good luck, kid. Hope you get your man. By the time security clears me to be on the boat, the argument is in full swing. Prince Hale, Sheriff Everhart, Ezra, Mendoza, Glass, Voigt, and there's Aaron, staked, laid out on a table. You promised. Princes don't promise, we declare. Bullshit. You said you would take a week to consider- Circumstances have changed, Sheriff Everhart. What circumstances? Are we assembled? Yes, though I don't see Zelda. I'm here. Zelda appears as a black-veiled mourner wearing full widow's weeds made from silk, bombazine, and crepe. Usher, report. The Banu Hakim also suddenly appears. The Second Inquisition is here. They struck during the day. Where? The Eagle Scouts. No. All of them? Yes. All four. We knew it was only a matter of time. Who are the Eagle Scouts? A coterie of neonates. Their haven burned to the ground. Sheriff Everhart, make this your priority. Find those responsible. Miss Voigt, please assist. Of course. Primogen Glass, I need you to quash the police investigation. I can try, but that's three fires in a week. Do what you can. In light of these circumstances, we must deal with Miss McKenna. Excuse me, what is happening? Mr. Reed, you are not supposed to be in my city. The sheriff gave me two extra nights. Is that right? Yes. And I vouch for his presence here tonight. Very well. Port Saga faces two significant threats. The escalating situation with the Thinbloods, and these recent acts of arson have attracted the attention of the Second Inquisition. We must consider evacuating the city. What? No, this cannot be an option. It is not unreasonable to consider. This did not come from a betrayal, but the sloppiness of petty disputes. I say we go to ground and let the SI think they found an isolated nest. When all is quiet, they will move on. Or point them at the Anarchs in Moonlight Bay. That could spill over to the Camarilla of the Bay while they are already embattled. Primogen Zelda, if we consider your plan, what can you lend Primogen Glass for the masquerade? That depends on what he's willing to pay. This is an all-hands moment, Zelda. I will remember your attempt to price gouge my clan while the lives of every kindred in my city hang in the balance. I must not have communicated as clearly as I had intended. My faults entirely. Clan Nosferatu who does not always have a wealth of resources as others do. Therefore, should Clan Ventru have the means, we could make arrangements for all the assistance you can afford at a fair market price. Good. Given the effect this decision would have on Port Saga, I am open to considering the Primogen Council's votes. Those in favor of evacuation, say aye. 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 Those opposed, say nay. Nay? Nay. Glass. Nay. 
Oh, thank God. Prince Hale, the Primogen Council, has decided against evacuation. Accepted. All gatherings are hereby suspended. Any use of electronic devices will be viewed as a violation of the masquerade unless you have acquired permission from me. Inform your clans. What about Aaron? Miss McKenna violated the first and sixth traditions. She set fire to a building that killed a mortal. She set fire to a car and murdered a sitting member of the Primogen Council. She has confessed to these crimes and, under my authority as prince, I hereby declare- Uh, excuse me. Forgive me, your majesty. Yes, Primogen Glass. If you're going to do what I think you're going to do, I just remind everyone that Ms. McKenna owes a substantial number of boons to the Primogen Council. Our debts die with us, Primogen Glass. Unless you're suggesting that owning a boon from a confessed criminal outweighs the safety of the masquerade. No, of course not. Good. Under my authority as prince, I hereby declare Aaron McKenna of Clan Malkavian a traitor to the Camarilla and sentenced to final death. Sheriff Everhart, carry out the execution immediately. No. Pardon? I won't do it. You're refusing to carry out my order. I guess I am. Very well. You're relieved. Sheriff Usher. What? Execute my command. The Bonoakim moves with such speed he's a blur, as he draws a sword and brings it down with precision. Rebel vibrates with barely controlled rage. I'm... I'm not even sure what just happened. I'm not angry as so much as I'm, I'm dismayed. Spindly gray veins spread over Aaron's skin as she decays from the inside out. And in the span of a breath, she's gone. Two closest people I have had to family are gone. A chill runs through me like cold electricity, and the sound of crushed ice crackles in my ears. Do you hear it? Inform your clans. We are adjourned. Prince Hale. Sheriff Usher. Yes, Prince. Remove Mr. Reed from my city. Yes, Prince. Wait. Choose your words very carefully, Mr. Reed. I ask your permission to be a resident of Port Saga. Request denied. I offer a trivial boon. Denied. Sheriff Usher. A minor boon, then. Two major. One major. Two major. (sighs) Two major. Request granted. Welcome to Port Saga.
Episode 4, A Thousand Words. My daddy pays a hooker in dimes. You're probably wondering what the hell that has to do with anything. And no, it's not a personal overshare. The first music lesson I ever had was with a 20-something named Martha Fremont. I was four years old, still learning to speak and complete sentences, when she insisted I understand how to read music. In musical notation, a staff is a set of five lines and four spaces. Each line and space correspond to one of the white keys on a piano. Marking a staff with a clef symbol, like treble clef or bass clef, tells you the pitch of the note written on a staff's line or space, and each one of those notes has a letter name A through G. Every good boy does fine. E-G-B-D-F. Those are the lines of the treble clef. Good boys do fine always. G-B-D-F-A. Those lines are the bass clef. Those phrases are a mnemonic device. And so I give you, my daddy pays a hooker in dimes. Masquerade, domain, progeny, accounting, hospitality, and destruction. These are the six traditions of the Camarilla, the sacred laws of our sect. They are the bricks we use to build our ivory tower, and each kindred sheltered within it has agreed to live or die by them. I don't believe Aaron violated the sixth tradition, the tradition of destruction, the tradition forbidding one kindred from killing another, unless you're the prince or have permission. But there is no denying she tested the first. Maintain the masquerade. Torching Lawrence's rec center may have been the signal fire the second Inquisition used to find us, and her need for revenge may have put us all in danger. But did she deserve final death for that? If Port Saga goes the way of London or Vegas, maybe. So what is the Second Inquisition? Short answer? Vampire Hunters. The longer answer is it's a sequel to the First Inquisition, the purge of vampires that gave birth to the Camarilla, and enshrined into kindred law the tradition of the Masquerade. And while the Masquerade may have protected us from the First Inquisition and kept us relatively safe for the next five centuries, no one knows if it will save us during this one. Now it's not just the Catholic Church with their witch hunters burning our havens to the ground. It's the Catholic Church, government agents, and homegrown militias using the best technology the 21st century has to offer. And the only plan the CAM has for our survival is stay off the grid. Port Saga had been doing pretty well for itself. It was small enough, uninteresting enough. But not anymore. Titus? I was surprised my key still worked. No, you weren't. No, I suppose not. Is it a problem if I stay here? Of course not. I realize this might be awkward. Only if love is an embarrassment or an inconvenience. No, but you and I... Both love Lawrence and were loved. You more than I. Then why did he erase me and stick a piano in here instead? To honor you. Honor what exactly? The echo you used to be. 
the voice, you may be again. He wanted me to change, and I wouldn't. And by the time I could, too much time had passed. But hey, we were immortal. I always figured... That you had more time. Yeah. We never do. And now, Aaron. A lamb, thrown from the ramparts. You still think she was innocent? The real question is, do you? I think someone used her. But I don't know why or how, and I don't have a lot of time to figure it out. But you are a resident now. You have time. I only asked for residency to buy myself a few nights, to find out what happened to Lawrence and Aaron and get out of here. I understand. But in the meanwhile, you must lend yourself to the good and the welfare. Meaning? The Malkavians are weak, crushed by ivory, a murdered primogen, an executed criminal, and many eyes upon you, waiting for you to continue your quest in defiance of the prince. Help the city. Help me. Help yourself. What did you have in mind? Marlowe could use your assistance. I thought she had Rebel helping her. Lost her position. Lost her friend. Rebel's lost in the fog. Playing with her trains. I don't have a lot of time. I need to get back to Moonlight Bay. Then move quickly. Fine. How do I get in touch with her? Grand Courier. I'll get you the address. Ezra. Yes? You and Lawrence, you are happy, right? For those who feed upon the living, happiness is impossible. But what we shared was close to divine. And the night he died? I was elsewhere. Doing what? I was in Richmond, meeting with a colleague, fulfilling a debt. Meeting with who? The Tremere Primogen. She can testify to my presence, if such is in doubt. No. I believe you. If you thought beepers were old school, imagine having to write every text message you want to send by hand and waiting while a courier service finds time to deliver it. This is the advantage Anarchs have over us, and why my job is as hard as it is. They're using smartphones while I'm hoofing a card with six words on it to the corner of Oceanside and 22nd Street. Uh, Grand Courier Services? That's what the sign says. Quick read of the attendant's aura pings her as a ghoul, though I don't know who she belongs to. Much like the one lone venture sent to Alaska to maintain the oil pipeline, she looks bored out of her mind. I need to set up a face to face. Mm hmm. Who's a receiver? Uh, Madam Aperture? You asking me or telling me? Telling. Mm hmm. Who's the sender? Tell her it's Mr. Oboe. <laughs> All right. Sign here. I'll send one of my guys. They'll return with the time and place. Where's your holding area? I don't have one. Sorry, say again? I'm new. 
<laughs> fucking neonates. Excuse me? I said fucking neonates. You know I could. Yeah, yeah, try to pull rank on me. I dare ya. Okay, hold on, just wait. Yeah, just... all right. You can wait here or you can choose a predetermined location. Tonight I've got the boardwalk in front of the Dairy Queen. I've got the Sheridan Lobby or Splash House. What's Splash House? A strip club. Splash House sounds like a pleasant way to pass the time. Mm-hmm. You're really gonna make me make two trips so you can see a pair of tatas. Wouldn't want to be an inconvenience, ma'am. Here is fine. I'll wait here. How long? Great! An hour, maybe two. <sighs> okay. I'll just step outside for a sec. Yeah, you do that. Have fun. Cell phones, even burners, are usually a last resort. But a lot of us use messaging services. Thus the beeper on my hip. Thus the recent reappearance of public phone booths. That's right. They're coming back to a street corner near you. Courtesy of Clan Ventru. Hey, it's me. Got your message. Yeah, sorry about that. Things are taking a little longer than expected. Hoping to have it wrapped soon. Should be back in Moonlight Bay by, uh, by week's end. Uh, later. That's probably a lie. I don't want it to be, but I don't see how I find out what happened to Lawrence by week's end. Now with vampire hunters skulking about whatever this missing thin-blood situation is, and the hurdles that come with being a Malkavian. But Titus, you don't seem like much of a Malkavian. You're sensible, analytical, and entirely coherent. You walk around with a beeper, not a teddy bear. Yeah, you say that now. Just wait until I'm standing in front of the prince when she asks for proof that Aaron didn't kill Lawrence. And I say, it's the music, your majesty. The crime scene says Rachmaninoff and Scriabin, when it was very clearly Mozart. You'll find Bach in Neptune's back alley, which is why it can't possibly have been Aaron. It's obvious to anyone with ears, don't you hear it? <laughs> I told Prince Walsh I only needed one night. Prince Walsh rules Moonlight Bay. Well, the very tiny corner of a very tiny burrow in the otherwise anarch-controlled Moonlight Bay. And the only reason he's able to hang on to that is because of his vice grip on the city's most vital piece of infrastructure. Energy. He has designs on taking the entire city back. But the Anarchs have the upper hand. So, unless the Justicariat wants to send in a small army to assist, which they'll never do, I don't see that happening anytime soon. If I'm honest, that was good for me. It meant I'd always be too busy to come back home to Port Saga. Too busy to visit Lawrence. Too busy to face Aaron. But now I'm caught in this liminal space between cowardice and regret. And so I have a choice. I can give in to the shame and let whoever killed Lawrence get away with it while I go running back to the bay, never to set foot in Port Saga again. 
where I can put on my big boy pants and atone for what a selfish asshole I was. Madam Aperture. Back here. Her studio belongs in New York, not Port Saga. Faded brick walls, huge windows, high ceiling, hardwood floors, and a couple of spotlights on a nude model. Marlo stalks her like a predator with an outdated camera in her hands. Be with you in a jiff. That an actual film camera? Yes. Old school. You calling me old? Not at all. Good. Wouldn't want us to start off on the wrong foot. Dara, shift left. Look up here. Thank you. I suppose you're not a fan of selfies, either. I'm working. Sorry, sorry. I'll zip. Marlowe finishes up, and the model departs. Would you like me to take your picture? I'd prefer if you didn't. Then I insist. Stand over there. Uh, here? No, hate it. Uh, why don't you sit over here where Dara was? Better. Just sit. Don't try to pose. I've never given much thought to the way I sit. But now, I'm aware of my arms, my legs... And the fact that I have no idea what to do with my hands, nor how to make sitting on a stool look casual. How can I help you tonight? I'd like to offer my assistance with your investigation. Is that so? Yes, I thought I might be able to help out. Really? Out of the goodness of your heart? Tilt your head to the right? It was impressed upon me that I need to be useful to the Praxis if I'm to stay in Port Saga. So, not out of the goodness of your heart? No. Leave one foot on the floor, plus the other on the bar. Thank you. I'm not looking for an understudy. I don't want the credit. Then what do you want? That's a dangerous question. It's the only one that matters. Would you believe me if I said I didn't entirely know what I wanted? Yes, I would. I'd like you to imagine there's a string attached to the top of your spine, and someone's pulling you up, up, up. There you go. According to my sire, you and your crew were real button men when it came to giving anarchs the big adios. And then something happened, and it all fell apart. What do you know about it? Not much. Just that Aaron came home, and the one person she relied on abandoned her. Maybe he had good reason. Maybe. But she came back to Port Saga and tried to fill his shoes. Tried and failed. Maybe he knows that too. Mm. I think beneath this bruised romantic who's put his past behind him is an ocean of shame and regret. And one night, that facade of yours is going to crack. And when it does, it's going to drown a whole lot of people. What do you think Lawrence would think of that? Leave him the fuck out of it. Mm, There you are. You can relax now. That's it? 
You take direction well. So, I guess I can take you on as my apprentice. Follow me. We exit out the back of her studio and descend into the basement. Cold stone stairs and walls like a tomb. I'm hit with the smell of must, mildew, and a memory. I'm a child again, laying on a thin, damp mattress in the dark and chained to a wall. Can't see the others. I can only hear them. All of us. All of us begging to be saved. Hey. You alright? Uh, yeah, yeah. You nailed the audition. Don't blow it at the first rehearsal. It's a finished basement, as stylish as the studio above, but she's using it as a sort of missing person detectives bureau. Except, instead of hierarchical charts and relationships marked with red string, she set it up like a gallery. Each section of wall represents a single victim and a cascade of photographs capturing their life. Some look lifted from surveillance cameras, others from straight surveillance. Some during the day and some at night. Hundreds of images. Sure you aren't Malkavian? Haha. <laughs> Very funny. My focus has been Port Saga's thin blood problem. The sheriff's office had standing orders to detain any they found. Rebel would present them to the prince, who would then offer them the choice. Accept the brand and become citizens of the Camarilla, or leave Port Saga forever. Those who refused to choose were told they'd be executed and that they should think about that for a day while detained. Pretty much all of them chose to leave, but who knows if they quietly returned to the city. And since they can pass as mortal and sometimes walk around during the day, that makes them hard to track and very dangerous. How many of them are unaccounted for? Hard to say. A dozen here, a few there. Most haven't been seen in weeks. They could have skipped town, could be in hiding, or the Second Inquisition found them first. Would the sheriff have asked them? She would have told me. Hopefully, Usher will do the same. A Banu Hakim sheriff. I know. Scary good. That was not where I thought that was going. What's his story? Independent mercenary working for whoever paid the most. Camarilla, Sabat, Hakata. Didn't matter. When his clanmates went east, they sent two of theirs to bring him in. He killed them and mailed their ashes back home. Then why did he join the Camarilla? Maybe you should ask him. Hey, I thought I was apprenticing. Yes, and look at me, presenting you an opportunity to improve your investigative skills. So, why are you the one on this? Why not? You don't really seem... Ooh, chauvinist much. Yep, I deserve that. So what's this have to do with the Second Inquisition? See these four over here? These are the Eagle Scouts. The four neonates who were killed. This is Elena Rivera, Roscoe Winters, Luna, and Fontaine. All neonates, all recently formed into a coterie. One Toreador, two Ventru and Fontaine, a Duskborn who chose the brand. Ah, your theory is Fontaine was still in contact with the renegade Thinblood. One of these renegades gets picked up by the SI, is interrogated, and during it gives up the Haven location? That's the theory. You sure it was the SI? 
Their haven was a remote warehouse in the northwest part of the city, part of the old steel mills along the river. They were hit in broad daylight fast enough to burn everyone inside, and they made sure the fire department showed up right after to minimize the spread. Anonymous phone call? Of course. Cameras? No. Is there a police investigation? The Ventru are on it. Cops know four people died, but uh, Glass has a few detectives on his payroll. They're calling it an accident and collecting anything that might identify them and lead back to us. I don't suppose there are any Gould crews capable of something like this? This is at the Battle of New York City, circa 1999. Nobody's rolling around with that kind of daytime muscle. So what we need is a solid connection between the Coterie hit and the Thinbloods. Someone who knew Fontaine. Exactly. I scan the collage of photographs, snapshots of life. People going about their business completely unaware of the eyes on them. Drinking at the coffee shop, walking home from work, hanging out at a bus stop. Wait. There. Who and where is that? That's Tags. Another thin blood. Said he'd take the brand but never showed up to court. That's Corinth Street, near the Eagles Haven in the Steel District. When was this taken? Last night. Why? See what he's spray-painting on the wall? The barcode? Those numbers? 191519. It's an old Anarch tag. 191519, 19th letter, 15th letter, 19th letter. SOS. Yeah. Still, it's not much to go on. It's a place to start. Episode 5. Living on the Fringe. I hate this part of detective work. What, the stakeout? Eh, I don't mind it. I wouldn't either if I didn't have to stare at an ugly bus stop for hours. Why is it always a box at a bench? You can't come up with anything more creative or something more, I don't know, aesthetically pleasing? They could at least slap a coat of paint on it or let the graffiti artists have their way with it. But no, it's this ugly box of half measures. It's only half clean and half practical, which makes it entirely useless and offensive. <laughs> the car is nice. The inside of Voigt's car smells like the ocean. It's an electric. Not flashy, but comfortable. It's okay, but I wouldn't call it nice. It's practical, though. No half measures here. Runs silent. Adds another paper cut to the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever met a green vampire. Have you ever tasted a committed vegan? I'm not sure. Next time you hunt, go to the rack and lurk around Cafe Jinda. It's run by this beautiful couple. The menu is exclusively plant-based, but the location is terrible. They have one table for two outside this sliver of a window, and that's it. So if someone's going to eat there, they have to eat inside... And what's the best way to weed out the Instagrammers from the true blue vegans? <laughs> Bad lighting? Winner, winner, chickpea dinner. <laughs> Never really thought of it that way. Oh yeah, don't think I come from a place of altruism or benevolence for a second. I want to eat well and live forever. And the way things are headed, everything will be dead and we'll be feeding on cannibals, so no, no thank you. <laughs> Well, 
That passed five more minutes. It's excruciating. Hurry up, Tags. So, before all this, you were what? A detective? Soldier? What makes you say that? Your reputation. I was a music teacher. Get out! Honest. You did not go straight from music teacher to murder boyfriend. Kinda. When I got embraced, the prince threw a bunch of us together. Pale? Nah. Guy before her. Prince Reynolds. He said, hey, you four. Got an anarch problem. Go deal with it. Ah, where you learned the whole anarch code thing. Anarchs use them to mark their territory or pass messages. I'm guessing that's how this Tags character learned it, too. Which makes sense. Anarchs openly accept Dustborn. I don't think they use it anymore. The cipher. Maybe the Anarchs are back in Port Saga. They've got Moonlight Bay by the balls. Why bother with Small Fry Port Saga? Small Fry. By comparison. The Camarilla controls the whole of Port Saga. In Moonlight Bay, what's the cam got? One little burrow? I know. (laughs) It's a clusterfuck. Then why live there? It's complicated. So, while we're killing time, mind if I ask you about the night my sire died? I was wondering when you were going to bring it up. What do you remember? I threw a great party. 90s themed. You hosted? On behalf of Elder Quill, yes. What was the occasion? A non-specific. The Toreador puts something together every quarter or so. Gives the clans a chance to scheme in person, which is far more entertaining than scheming via courier. When did it start? How many guests? It started around nine. Two to three dozen, maybe, with their respective entourages and a dash of dolls thrown into the mix. It was well attended. A Toreador host doesn't know how many guests she had at her party. Fine. 67. 67 kindred in a dance club? Doesn't that seem... She shoots me a salty glare. I mean, how much square footage would that be for each person? Giant dance floor? Vaulted roof? It was like throwing a dinner party in a cavern. I wanted to use the bebop, but no, had to be the Neptune because Primogen Glass insisted. And then he didn't even show. Don't get me wrong. I made it work. I brought in a stage designer and... Was Aaron there? You don't want to know what I did? I'm sure it was amazing. It was amazing. But was Aaron there? Yeah, she arrived early and was socializing with some of the younger licks. Spent some time with Rebel. They say at some point she left, but I I didn't see her go. Did you see her when she got back? No, I was hosting, but I heard the shots. Mm, that's when the party stopped. What happened? Two shotgun blasts in the middle of downtown. That's what happened. Lysander ran inside screaming bloody murder. A few people ran out to see what happened. Two of them frenzied, so that was a mess. Lysander said it was Aaron, so the sheriff started tracking her. Mendoza and I made phone calls locking down the area. Then I called Edmund to tell him what happened and to manage the masquerade. Because Glass wasn't at the party. No, neither was Ezra. Or the prince, but I didn't expect her to show. Was Zelda there? Who knows? Do you really think she was innocent? I think something else is going on. Someone's lying about something. We're vampires. We're all lying about something. 
In my opinion, there are two kinds of kindred. The ones who regret nothing, and the ones who regret everything. Which one are you? I don't know. Do you regret killing Anarchs? No. But a part of me feels like I should. Your sire told you about me killing folks? Of course. Quill, right? You know him? Met him a few times a while back. He used to host a bunch of... <laughs> interesting parties. Still does. He a photographer like you? He was a calligrapher in his mortal days and made a fortune counterfeiting. Really? So the legend goes. He must trust you. Letting you rep the Toreador, handle his affairs on the council. He does. Why? Why does he trust me? Yeah. Because I'm the only one willing to tell him the truth. Truth. Beauty is truth. Truth. Beauty. Keats. What is truth but a lie agreed upon? Nietzsche. So, what brought you to Port Saga? Alexander. Quill. Mm-hmm. Because? He wanted to meet his grandchild. Really? Who's his grandchild? Lena Rivera. Oh. Yes. I... I'm sorry. I... I had no idea. It's all right. Death teaches us that time and love are precious. Love? All children love their sires. I don't think that's accurate. You didn't love Lawrence? No, I did. Do you love Quill? More than anything. There he is. Stay in the car. Um, no. Hey, you put up the SOS? What? I'm here to help. Really? Yep. Echo. What? I said, Echo. Fuck. Call and response. Lawrence used them all the time. He's expecting me to say, uh, Gecko? Fuck me. And we're off to the races. Tags cuts across a street and through an old mill long abandoned. Not far on the other side is a riverside residential. He gets in there. We got witnesses. More people, more problems. Stop! Bruja, Bono Akeem, Toreador, all gifted with supernatural speed. Luckily, Sasha taught me the same. Unluckily, someone also taught Tags. I just want to talk! He's a good 15 feet in front of me, and I'm not gaining. I don't have my gun. Don't have anything to hit. Marlowe's car slams into Tags. He goes down, and finally, I get my hands on him. Let go of me! Ah! Calm down. We just want to talk. Did he crack my bumper? What the fuck you do to my leg? You'll live. Look at me. Tags obeys. Come with us, please. I promise you'll be safe. Oh, uh, all right. Can Marlowe control minds, too? Titus, next time? Yeah? Stay in the car. Best pizza ever. Open 24 hours. Great place to sip on 20-something, sobering up before they head home. Place used to be called Pacini's. 
and had been in the owner's family for three generations. Then 2008 wiped out their savings, and they had to sell it to a chain owned by corporate lawyers out of Texas. We'd like to ask you some questions. Give us the answers, and you go on your merry way. Easy peasy. Oh yeah, with the sheriff waiting in the wings to ash me? I give you my word. (laughs) What's the word of a vampire worth? Marlo slaps $500 down on the table. From the looks of it, Tags could use it. He takes about three seconds to weigh his options. Ask your question. Did you know Fontaine? Oh, go fuck yourself. Is that what this is? A brandy gets torched and now I'm getting an ivory dildo shoved up my ass? We've got Dustboard getting slaughtered left and right, but it takes a brandy before any of you give a shit. What do you mean slaughtered? The SA might have gotten Fontaine, but but there's Marcus Pratt, Danny Takeshi, Keisha Troy. The list goes on, man. All ash by the goddamn sheriff and that lapdog of hers. What lapdog? Mac the Knife. You mean McKenna? Yeah, the chick with the shotgun. But you knew Fontaine. Not really. That's a lie. I've seen you together. Then why ask me the question? The sheriff brought both of you in together. Gave you a choice to take the brand or leave. Fontaine accepted. You didn't. No. We both accepted. I didn't want to leave Port Saga. And Fontaine. She was tired of just scraping by. So we decided to try it out. See what comes of it. What do we have to lose? But that life? Your life? Living on the fringe is better. Living free? Free on the fringe? Yeah. At least my hands are clean. Gentlemen, can we please stay on topic? How'd you know Fontaine was dead? Bad news travels fast. Is that why you tried to call the Anarchs? The Anarchs are the best shot I got. You and Fontaine stay in touch? Yeah, we'd, we'd meet up. She tried to help me out. Help how? The scouts had a line on some pre-processed blood drawn and bagged. They were able to skim some before it went to the hospitals. Where were they getting it? Uh, I don't know. Yes, he does. Let's try that again. Where were they getting the bags? Uh, there's like a Catholic church on the city's west edge, south of here. They do regular blood drives or something. So scouts would go and come back with enough to sell some to us. Which church? How would I know? Is he saying that instead of some thin blood... Well, Duskborn. Duskborn getting captured and tortured and giving up the scouts? Could the scouts have gotten themselves killed? What are you talking about? The Second Inquisition, which includes the Catholic Church, probably got wind of the scouts stealing blood, used one of the drives as a trap, and then followed them back to the warehouse. Fuck me. Yeah. We should speak with Constance. Why? She knows the diocese better than anyone. We done? Tags, you either need to take the brand, or you need to get the hell out of Dodge. You and anyone else you care about. Where are we gonna go? All we have is here. Head to Moonlight Bay and go to this address. There's a gangle named Sparrow you can talk to. No offense, but I hope I didn't see either of you again. Constance? You scared. A little, given her reputation. When she was Sabat, helped roll Atlanta, killed half her pack. I heard she was one of Polonia's Templars. 
Really? Yeah, before getting inducted into the Black Hand. What? And then she became a cardinal. Very funny. I heard she even diablerized Hardestat. Ha fucking ha. I thought Malkavians were supposed to be insightful. Fuck you. Promises, promises. The Marquis Cinema is an old movie theater. It mainly shows black and white films from the 40s and 50s. Casablanca, A Raisin in the Sun, Some Like It Hot, Seven Samurai, all the classics. But it also hosts Slaughterhouse Saturdays and Arthouse Sundays. The place couldn't compete with the big chains and was on the verge of bankruptcy, at least for as long as I was in Port Saga. It appears, though, and its fortunes have changed. Marlowe and I take the stairs to the second floor mezzanine and slip into the mostly empty theater. On the screen is Kirk Douglas's face, and in the corner, tucked half in a shadow, is Constance. Ms. Voigt, Mr. Reed. What are you watching? Paths of Glory, Stanley Kubrick, 1957. What's it about? The First Great War. An entire company refuses a suicide mission and is court-martialed. Kirk Douglas defends them. Let me guess, he wins the case? Not at all. Three of them are executed. The rest are returned to the front. That's how it ends? In tragedy, yes. Thank you, by the way, for speaking at my sire's funeral. Oh, of course. I liked Lawrence. He appreciated good cinema. Popcorn? If you're going to succeed in the Camarilla, the second thing you learn after the traditions is how to say no without offending the other person. That skill alone will add 20 years to your unlife. Moments like this are tricky, because vampires don't eat food. Yes, we can chew and swallow food, and some of us can even keep it down. For most of us, however... Whatever you eat comes right back up. She knows that. So this has to be a test. And now I'm paralyzed with indecision. That is a generous offer, but I, uh... I... Fuck it. I go to grab a handful of kernels. She pulls it away at the last second. She cracks a tiny smile. (laughs) Marlo flashes me a look like I'm an idiot. You caught me off guard, that's all. Constance, would you be willing to help us with something? Of course. The local Catholic church. Yes. Do you know of one having regular blood drives? There are a dozen Catholic churches in Port Saga. You'll need to be more specific. West edge of town, south of the Steel District. Why do you ask? It appears this was the Eagle Scout's blood supply. We need to know which one. Hmm. Is that what got them killed? We think it caught the attention of the SI. Or the drive was cheese for the trap. How so? This generation of kindred is very particular. Especially the thin bloods. Very soft. Very solicitous. Very concerned about the ethics of feeding. They refuse to feed on people. They refuse to feed on animals. They only feed on the consensual or from bags. 
The Inquisition knows this, and freely donated blood is enticing bait for the soft and naive. I see. There are three churches in that area. Tomorrow is Sunday Mass. I will send my people to all three, and we'll see what they uncover. But um, there is something else you should know. A few weeks ago, the Vatican sent a trio of postulators to Port Saga. What's a postulator? It's a priest who investigates miracles. Those candidates for beatification who survived the rigorous scrutiny are put forward for canonization. Have any miracles happened in Port Saga? None that I'm aware of, which makes their presence suspect. Inquisitors? Possibly. Postulators are not bound to a parish. They have free reign throughout the diocese. We'll look into that as well. We appreciate it. What do we owe you for the help? I've made it no secret that I wish to be the principal of faith in this domain. But I understand the prince's unwillingness to appoint me to it officially. Ventrue. So fragile. I would consider my effort well spent if you spoke with the Primogen Council about the situation. I can do that. Thank you, principal. Don't call me that. Apologies. <laughs> Not until I've won it. Oh, of course. Uh, Constance? Yes, dear. Why the movies? Oh, what is film but light and shadow? <laughs> Drink a little water, feel a little better. You do what you gotta, babe. After securing Constance's help, Marlo and I set up a rendezvous and called it a night. On the way home, I mean, to Lawrence's condo, I take Marlo's advice to stop by Cafe Jinda. I'll be candid with you. I get that it's a touch creeper, but I'm more of a sandman when I feed. I don't know. Call me an introvert. But I'd rather slip in and slip out while someone's asleep and not deal with any of the interpersonal difficulties. That said, on the rare occasion, the hunt scratches a certain itch. So when this crunchy-looking vegan strolls out of the cafe, I went for it. She was right. Winner, winner, chickpea dinner. Sitting in the living room waiting for me is Craven, better known as The Lawyer, Herald of Moonlight Bay. Mr. Reed, it's time to come home. friends, Rachel here. You've made it halfway through, and now's a good time for you to take a quick intermission to stand up, walk around, or push pause to answer nature's call. 
And for me to remind you about this episode's sponsor, Jackalope Live Action Studios. So don't forget to hydrate and check them out at jackalope-larp.com. And now, back to Port Saga. Episode 6, Ghosts of Moonlight Bay. Mr. Reed, it's time to come home. I feel my beast flex as I activate my vampiric sight and scan for any others obfuscated in the shadows. Harold Craven, what a pleasant yet unexpected surprise. Had I, had I known you were coming to town, I stall for time as I calculate how much force I'll need to toss this guy through the window. Can I get you something? That should give me a chance to get to one of the three guns I've stashed in this room. I know I said my Colt was rusting in a box somewhere, but let's call it a metaphor. You wanted a single night to attend your sire's funeral. Entirely understandable. Prince Walsh was sympathetic. I advised him not to grant it, because, let's face it, when we look at you, stable is not the first word that springs to mind. I just need a little more time, that's all. What he said, he said, Craven, Titus knows what's at stake. He knows we have new autarchs in the city. He's aware of the danger presented by the Bay's continually growing population of Anarchs. He also knows his debts and obligations. Very substantial, very non-negotiable debts to me. You don't need to remind me of my debts. I'm thrilled. Thrilled you made me right. I enjoy job security. What I do not enjoy is having to schlep my ass up to this cow pasture full of townies they call a city because some Malkavian can't read a calendar. I understand the situation. Good. Good. Then grab your bags, young man, and let's be on our way. I... I can't do that. Come, come, come again? We must be, must be all the noise from someone thinking they have a say. A few more nights, that's all I need. A few more nights? Oh, okay, sure, we can do that. Uh, give me a second to grab my pen. Mr. Reed has decided to be a boon breaker. Let me try that again. I would like to purchase another week of Prince Walsh's sympathy and patience. I'm listening. For an additional two minor boons. Two minor boons. And a minor boon to you for the inconvenience I have caused. Noted. For your sake, I strongly advise you to expedite your affairs. Of course. Please let me know if there's anything else I can do to help you on your way. Have a pleasant evening. Yeah. Thanks. Fuck! Focus. I have to figure this out. Let's start with the timeline. If you haven't been taking notes, grab a pen. Sheriff Everhart invites Aaron McKenna to act as a deputy or scourge to hunt Thinbloods. Lawrence is concerned and reels her in. Aaron pushes back. She's frustrated. He keeps pushing. Eventually, Aaron throws a tantrum in front of the Primogen and Prince and ends up owing everyone a bunch of boons. Aaron then turns around 
and sets fire to the Sunrise Park Recreation Center, which Lawrence owned. Mortal Janitor dies in the collateral damage, and Lawrence is, by all accounts, furious. Two nights after, Marlo Voigt hosts a costume party at Club Neptune. Aaron arrives early, socializes, and then makes a call and leaves distressed. Lawrence arrives shortly after she leaves. Aaron then returns to the party closer to midnight, at which point Lawrence and Aaron leave together. According to Lysander Valentine, the two of them step into the alley and get into an argument. He comes around the corner, sees Aaron and Lawrence fighting over the shotgun. Aaron probably uses celerity to get to the other side of Lawrence before tossing him into the back of the SUV, which means the rear door had to already be open and shoots him twice with Dragon's Breath rounds. She chucks the murder weapon into the fire now spreading through the vehicle and kicks the door shut. Lawrence, the weapon, and the SUV burn. Lysander sees Aaron vanish. Lysander and Mendoza also confirm that Aaron's outfit was bloody before her fight with Lawrence. Now, it's roughly a 20-minute drive between Club Neptune and Maya's house. According to Aaron, she first arrived to find a distraught Maya who told Aaron someone matching Lawrence's description broke into her house. Aaron's memory goes blank afterward. The theory is that during her fugue, she frenzied and killed Maya. Then she drives to Club Neptune where she kills Lawrence. And afterward, she walks roughly eight miles back to Maya's, which could take anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, depending on if she's running with celerity or just walking. The sheriff tracks her to Maya's and places her into custody. First theory. What Aaron said happened, happened. She murdered two people while under the fugue and is guilty. Second theory. Someone used mind control and manipulation to make Aaron think she killed two people while in a fugue. Malkavians, Tremere, and Ventru generally can control someone's actions and alter their memories. Ezra was conveniently out of town the night of, and regardless of how unlikely it is, did have a motive. More power over the clan and higher position in the city. But he also has an alibi. Mendoza was treating Aaron for her feud, so would know about her states of mind. He was at the party and has no apparent motive. Then there's Marla. She's a real pain in the ass and can clearly control minds even if the talent isn't native to Toridor blood. But what would be the motive? Ruining her own party? We know she stayed at the club after Lawrence was killed to make calls and clean up the masquerade. Meanwhile, Edmund Glass had all the cameras surrounding Club Neptune turned off that night. Sure, protect the masquerade. But he also wasn't at the party and he wasn't at the funeral. As a Ventru, He's an expert at controlling the minds and wills of others. So yeah, I'm leaning toward Glass as the prime suspect. But does he have a motive? And there is still one primogen I haven't talked to yet. And that's the primogen for the Nosferatu. Zelda. The South Shore Outlet Mall was supposed to provide village-style upscale outlet shopping to boost the local economy. And in 2006, sure, real estate was a solid investment. They broke ground in 2007, but when the Great Recession hit, the money dried up, 
Construction stopped and squatters moved in. Now, the South Shore Outlet Mall is like some post-apocalyptic skid row. The addicts took over the food court, while the dealers and fences turned storefronts into a black market retail experience. You can still find Gucci, Chanel, and Prada at deep discount prices. They're just hookers instead of handbags. Z and the Nosferatu have made it their kingdom. If you know anything about the Nosferatu, then you know they knew I was here before I parked the car. Information is as vital to them as blood, and with their unparalleled ability to cloak themselves, they make perfect spies. Which means they're either making me sweat it out or deciding if I'm worthy of being granted an audience. I head toward a counter with a graffitied sign above it. It once read Information Center, only now, information, has been replaced with the word gossip. Zelda. Titus. Ah! Christ on a bicycle, don't sneak up on a person like that. Zelda has exchanged her widow's weeds for a smartly cut suit and long bolo tie. She has a cowboy hat pulled low across her eyes. I was wondering if you could tell me something. Something? What? Ask stupid questions, get stupid answers. I'm trying to find out what happened to Lawrence. Oh, he died. I'm aware. Well, then you know what happened. <sighs> That's not what I mean. Then ask me an intelligent question or pay me for my time. All right. Were you at Club Neptune the night my sire died? No, I wasn't. Were any of the Nosferatu? No. Did anyone have a reason to kill Lawrence? Yes. Who? Oh, if only I could recall. My memory is just a bit hazy. (sighs) How many boons will it cost me to jog it? Don't want a boon, want a story. I want to know what happened in Moonlight Bay. What keeps you there, and why? I tell you, and you tell me who wanted my sire dead. Yes. There's no telling how many Nosferatu surround me. I take a deep breath. (sighs) While pushing the last of the Anarchs out of Port Saga... Things got complicated with Lawrence. Those Anarchs took a lot of my humanity with them when they left. Lawrence wanted to rehabilitate me, but I was comfortable with who I had become. The instincts of the beast felt... good. Fight, kill, feed... keeps unlife simple. And he said, when the carrot doesn't work... It's time to switch to the stick. That's when he ended our living situation and told me I could come home when I had reclaimed what I had lost. Seeing him at court or in passing, it it wasn't easy. He was polite and never shunned me, but I suddenly realized I didn't have much reason to stay. So, when Prince Walsh needed help in Moonlight Bay, I volunteered my coterie without consulting any of them. But because I gave my word, Aaron, Sasha, 
and Sparrow stuck with me. We went to the bay. Two years passed. Two years of blood and ash. I became cruel. And the crueler I became, the more Sparrow doubted what we were doing. Then, one night, Sparrow walked in on me torturing this anarch kid for the joy of listening to him scream. That scream was like... Like my pain made manifest. It was a relief. Disgusted? Sparrow crossed the street. He told the Anarchs everything. Every Camarilla Haven and holding he knew. They launched a coordinated attack and hit us as hard as they could. Sasha died in that fight. By the time an armistice was signed, the Anarchs held most of the city, leaving the cam with a single burrow. And Aaron came back here. But you stayed? Yes. Why? Walsh found out that Sparrow was the one who betrayed us. I was leading the coterie. He determined I was responsible. And I'm being held responsible until I fulfill my debt of service. For ten years. How many more years do you have left on your debt? Four. Hmm, thank you. Zelda lifts her hand and a folder appears. Primogen Glass owns a security company. I heard. This security company has compiled a list of names and locations for him. The worn folder has a single sheet of paper with a short list of names and addresses. Maya's home is at the top of it. Is this what I think it is? Potentially. Why would Glass need a target list? Because Glass hated Lawrence. He told me they were friends. He lied. Why would he do that? Glass is a Ventru primogen in a city ruled by a Ventru prince. But Prince Hale's loyalty was to Lawrence, her friend and coterie mate, not to her younger clan mate. When confronted with city decisions, Hale almost always deferred to Lawrence and never to Glass. As a result, Glass lost opportunities for advancement, reputation, money. He grew bitter. Bitter enough to kill? We are damned, Titus. We are all bitter enough to kill. I spend the next two nights tracking down the names and addresses on Zelda's list. It includes almost every Malkavian in the city, if not their havens, and the places they frequent, or the homes of those they care about, the people they love, the people that keep them grounded in their humanity. You see, when you're a vampire for long enough, you forget what it's like to be a person. Let's just say becoming an undead creature of the night has a way of changing your ethics. And so, it's important to maintain these relationships, these threads tying you to your humanity. Because as they get cut, and you forget what it was like to care about someone, it becomes easier and easier to see people as blood bags and red meat ready for slaughter. Do enough slaughtering, and your bestial instincts take over. It becomes kill or be killed, 
The thirst for blood is insistent and unquenchable as it pounds in your ears. And eventually, when you indulge the beast for long enough, you're simply not you anymore. You disappear. And in place of you is a monstrous thing. A monstrous thing with fangs and a voracious appetite. I know that's what Lawrence was trying to save me from. He didn't want me falling over that edge. The list also has Lawrence's condominium, where I'm currently staying. It includes the Sunrise Center, or what's left of it, Ezra's Haven, the home of his mortal niece, Aaron's Haven, and Maya's home. The list even includes the music store where I used to work, and the facility where my mother currently resides. This is the kind of list you put together when you're going to war. Message from Marlowe. I wonder if Constance came through. The Bebop Bar doesn't compare with the jazz clubs of New York, Chicago, or New Orleans, but it holds its own. I used to play here when I was in college, when this neighborhood was full of theaters and art houses. The theaters and art houses are gone now, replaced by boutique stores and towering apartments. The only reason the Bebop survives is probably because of a Toreador. Music captures the resonance of life. There are melodies for every mood. Sometimes you need to play solo, and other times you want to feel the harmony of a band. When you're lost, there's comfort in the predictability of 4-4 time. Gershwin had it right when he said, Life is a lot like jazz. It's best when you improvise. Hey, where were you? Nowhere. Seriously? This a Malkavian thing? This place conjures a lot of memories for me. This club? Port Saga. Ghosts around every corner. Tell me about them. <laughs> nice try. I think I would have made a good Toreador. Do you know? I play piano. Not like these guys, but I was, I was good. Precise. It's very, very precise. Not all Toreador are artists. Some of us are just pretty. Some of you are both. <laughs> Is that so? I mean, yeah. I thought you liked men. I like everything. Her cherry red lips pull into a smirk. I think I would have made a good Sedite. I think they're called the Ministry now. Everyone is going through a rebranding. Banu Hakim, Akada, Ministry. The clan formerly known as? I'm not into the snaky stuff, but I have been known to corrupt a few people now and then. I'll bet. Was that a hint of judgment I detected? Not at all. Oh, you're a terrible liar. So superior, Mr. Reed. What makes you think you're above all this? Better than this? Better than what? Camarilla society. The game. Lying, scheming, corrupting. I don't know. I guess I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. Besides, aren't you the one in search of truth? <laughs> well, there's truth and then there is survival. And survival is knowing how to play the game. In kindred society, the truth is 
Well, the truth is whatever the most powerful vampire in the room says is the truth. Ajastikar says the white orchid is red. You better believe we all say it's red. But is that how any of us should have to live? Is it good enough to survive? Not for nothing. But the only reason Aaron is dead is because someone more powerful than Hale wasn't in the room to... Delivery for Madame Aperture and Mr. Oboe. Oh, hey, Splash House. Splash House? (laughs) Courtesy of Miss Fade. Thank you. Goodbye. What's the deal with Splash House? Nothing, nothing. My, my. If vampires could blush. I bury my attention in opening the envelope. Inside is a classic micro-cassette recorder and a card. Sermon from St. Michael's Church. Hmm. Make no mistake. Evil exists in the world. Not the evil of an action or that which triumphs when good men and women do nothing. Though that is a missed opportunity to do good work and show how we are saved by grace. That voice. Nor do I speak of Satan as he whispers temptation from the fiery furnace of hell. I speak of the evil walking this earth alongside us. His demons sent to prey upon the weak and helpless. Demons that corrupt and devour those who do not resist them. You must be ever vigilant because this evil wears a human face and can take human form. But there are signs to look for when identifying Satan's minions. Pale skin, cold to the touch. The inability to eat or drink the bounty God provides us. You will never see them in the daylight, and they only come out when the sun has set. If you encounter such evil, do not attempt to drive out the demon. Do not engage in conversation or questions. Alert your priest immediately. If your fears are unfounded, God will forgive. But if you reveal one of these fiends, then you will safeguard the flock. And God, with thunder and fire, will smite this evil from the face of the earth. Is it him? No. No, it can't be. As you venture out into the world, especially at night, let your armor be God's grace, and your weapon be your faith. Amen. Well, I'm sold. I'll contact Usher, get some eyes on this place. Yeah. Hey, you okay? You look like you've just seen a ghost. I'm fine. Sure. Okay. Well, sit tight for a night or two, wait for my courier. I know you don't want credits, but I'll make sure you get it. And I'll make sure you're there when we go after this guy. Okay? Yeah. Check for monsters by the door. Walking into St. Michael's Church might be the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I have to know if this priest is who I think he is. And if so, I'm in deep, deep, complicated trouble.
Episode 7, When the Cross Has a Point. There are some churches, as a vampire, you're not going to be able to walk into. St. Michael's isn't one of them. And while, yes, swaggering in here without any backup is the most stereotypically malk thing I've done all week, don't worry. I'm invisible to the small group of parishioners kneeling to take communion. The body of Christ. Amen. The blood of Christ. The body of Christ. Amen. The blood of Christ. After hearing the Father's sermon, I wonder if any of them see the irony of imbibing the flesh and blood of a human. Lawrence would be howling with laughter. I slide in closer to get a better look. Sure enough, the man holding the host is Frankie. Kid from... My, my childhood. The body of Christ. Amen. The blood of Christ. As they finish, Frank turns and looks right at me. Fuck. 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 Did he see me? Or is he looking through me? I look over my shoulder to see if anyone is behind me. Nothing. Only a stained glass window depicting the triumph of St. Michael the Archangel over Satan. The Archangel pins the defeated devil under his boot heel and raises a sword to strike the fatal blow. When I turn back to Frank, he and the two additional priests flanking him thank and bless those who came tonight. The parishioners depart the sanctuary. I duck out with them. Charlie! Hearing my name stops me in my tracks. Did you come for the service? It appears I just missed it. Shame. It's been... Decades. You look amazing. Time's been kind to you. Call it clean living and uh, good hair dye. (laughs) I bet. Come inside. Have a drink with me. I don't actually drink. A cup of coffee, then. I didn't mean to... It's no trouble at all. It's a beautiful night. Let me show you the courtyard. Uh, I, Can't spend 15 minutes on someone you haven't seen in over 30 years? The lady doth protest too much, methinks. And it's true. Another gibbering excuse from me, and this will get weird. Of course I can. Sorry, I I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I didn't expect to see you, I guess. But it's, it's good to see you. It's great, actually. Same, Charlie. Come on in. So what brings you to Port Saga? A miracle. Bullshit. Oh, sorry. Wait, uh, what do I call you now? Father Francis. Wow. Collar and everything. Collar and everything. I heard you became a music teacher. For a little while, yeah. Teaching others. Well, I'm glad some good came out of our experience. You still play? No, no. Every guitar I pick up smells like that basement. Yeah, fair. But I do still garden. Really? I've even done some while I've been here. Come, I'll show you. I was not fond of weeding. It kept me grounded. I couldn't articulate it at the time, but I think it gave me something to protect when we couldn't protect ourselves. Ripping out what didn't belong felt like having a measure of control. 
still does. Everywhere I go, I make sure there's a place for life to thrive and an opportunity for me to weed out the pernicious. Weed out the pernicious. That's one hell of a euphemism for setting vampires on fire. The Fremonts turned all of us into wounded animals. That's how I know Frankie, er, Father Francis. From being kidnapped as children and trapped in a house of perfectly polished horrors. A wounded animal's only choice is fight or flight. Frank always chose fight. How long have you been in Port Saga? Long enough. Did you keep in touch with the others? Not really. No. Jenny's in prison. I heard. Mike didn't do too well in the aftermath. He's been gone about 15 years now. I'm so sorry. Robin moved to California to get as far away from Virginia as possible. My stomach turns with guilt. I should have done more. I should have done literally anything. But no. My instinct was always flight. Fremont Five. Oh, that name. Better than the Fremont family. You heard about Carl and Martha? I heard they got out. Sentenced to 30 years, released after 15. Couldn't believe it. 15 years for kidnapping five children. I presented testimony to the parole board, but I think they saw a priest and figured the damage the Fremonts did couldn't have been that bad. They took our entire youth. They seared themselves onto our psyche. I could have used your help. I... I don't know what to say. And now they're out there. Somewhere. Walking around. Walking free. I... Are you suggesting I'm somehow to blame for that? I'm suggesting we should have killed them when we had the chance. What happened to turn the other cheek? I prefer the Old Testament. That's when I hear the two other priests approach. Something wrong with your coffee? Why do you ask? You haven't taken a drink. And I'm an inquisitive sort. When did you figure it out? As soon as you crossed the threshold of this church. Listen, I can explain. Inimice, fide, vite, repto. I start to back away, but the trio has me dead to rights. Enemy of the faith. Robber of life. Mortis, aducto, carrier of death. I call on my blood. Saint Michael the Archangel. Frank's aura erupts in light so bright it blisters my eyes. Defend us in battle. Stop, stop, please. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. A blurry outline of Frank pins me with his boot heel on my neck. May God rebuke him. It's me, it's me. The real Charlie saved my life 40 years ago. You are a collection of bones and rotting organs held together by dead flesh. Evil wearing the face of my friend. Frank raises a sword high above me. Blood pools in my eyes. In the name of the Archangel Michael, I condemn you back to hell! In that moment, I am a damned soul. 
fitting end having failed everyone I know. My mother condemned to a state facility because I couldn't take care of her. The Fremonts out on parole because I couldn't answer Frank's call for help. My sire ashed because I couldn't love him like he wanted and deserved. And Aaron executed because I couldn't face her until it was too late. My last view of the world is through a veil of blood. And then the darkness moves. Tentacles of shadow coil around my attackers. The tentacles fling the three like rag dolls across the garden, giving me a chance to crawl away from the fray. A body falls beside me, with the head turned a full 180 degrees. I sit up and wipe the blood from my eyes. The bodies of two dead priests lay in broken heaps, like puppets with cut strings. Frank is nowhere to be found. And in front of me, reaching out a hand to help me stand, is Constance. Titus, my dear, how you have not met your final death is a mystery to me. Constance drags me to the Marquis Cinema. After feeding on a concessions cashier, she tucks me into a closet braced between stacks of candy and popcorn boxes to mend my wounds. I've seen Vosht with better sense than you. What's a Vosht? Going to the church alone. That was your plan? I didn't have one. Then why go? I just needed to know. What did you need to know? If he was who I thought he was. The priest? The one who got away? Yes. You knew him? How? That's a long story. In my experience, long stories are usually quite short. I'd rather not get into it. I'm not asking. <sighs> Ever hear of the Fremont Five? No. You would if you had grown up around here. Back in the early 70s, Carl and Martha Fremont kidnapped and imprisoned five children over a span of years. They wanted a perfect family. This priest is one of them? Yes. And you as well. Yeah. They took me when I was four. I escaped when I was twelve. They took each of us so young. We... Well, it's difficult to explain. You get confused about who your real parents are, and... And we had a palpable need to please them. Like... Martha wanted us to be musically inclined, and so we'd practice until our fingers bled, because we desperately, desperately wanted her to be proud of us. Who rescued you? No one. Then how did you escape? One afternoon, while Carl was at work, I pushed Martha down the basement stairs. Frank wrapped a chain around her neck when she hit bottom and pulled until she passed out. I grabbed the keys off her, and we got the younger three out. We ran through the forest for hours until we came across this cabin where some college kids were having a barbecue. They called the cops. This couple, hmm, I assume they're dead? No, out on parole. And now this priest continues his mission to punish what he deems evil. Can you blame him? No, 
but you must accept that he views you as a monster. He's a fanatic. There's no compromise in the mind of a fanatic. If you do not kill him, he will kill you. Is that why you murdered your pack? Kill or be killed? Both the Sabat and the Camarilla have their fanatics. But that is not why I left. I left because I wished to be free. Isn't that the Sabat's whole thing, being free? Freedom from the masquerade? Freedom from blood bonds? That's what they write on the front of the brochure. But hypocrisy is at the heart of everything Cain has created. And there is no greater hypocrisy than when Sabat preach freedom. The Sabat frees Cainites from the blood bond only to shackle them in different ways. Sabat revel in their monstrosity tearing down the masquerade and call it freedom. But over time, that savagery feeds the beast within us. It alters your soul, your judgment, and most importantly, your ability to reason. If you cannot reason, you can be controlled. If you can be controlled, then you are not free. Okay, but this means you're telling me that between the Camarilla, the Sabbat, and the Anarchs, the Camarilla provides a kindred with the greatest amount of freedom? I call bullshit on that one. It seems counterintuitive, I know. Consider for a moment the idea that knowledge begins with our sensory perception of reality. Knowledge comes from sorting, organizing, comparing, and contrasting these sensory experiences. Like the sights we see, the sounds we hear, the lovers we touch, and the blood we taste. So, anything that changes or perverts our senses or cognitive clarity traps us in ignorance. Therefore, because the practices of the Sabbat change both of these things, it's very good at imprisoning Cainites in ignorance. The strength of our mind is what forges a path to true freedom, which for me proves the Sabbat are the least free of all the sects. If your priority is freedom, and, and I get what you're saying about valuing your humanity, then why not join the Anarchs? The Anarchs have enslaved their members in a political prison. <laughs> and the Camarilla hasn't enslaved their members in a political prison? Yes, of course they have. But unlike the Anarchs, the Camarilla doesn't pretend otherwise. So young Mr. Reed, what is the lesson we have learned this evening? <sighs> Just say no to drugs? Correct. And following your heart instead of your head is one hell of a drug. Now, let me just wipe the last of this blood off your cheek, and you can be on your way. Thank you, by the way, for being there. I don't know how you knew I was there, but I'm grateful you did. You're welcome. Really? I won't forget it? Oh, I'm not worried. <laughs> I won't let you. If the path to freedom is leading with your head instead of your heart, then I need to get the fuck out of Port Saga. After a quick stop at Grand Courier, I go to the condo to clean up and change. As I get out of the shower, my beeper bounces on the counter. Message at 1.39 a.m. Hey, Splash House. This fucking ghoul. 
Meet set. Be at the Marine Inn 45. You're scheduled for 2.30 a.m. Getting out of Port Saga means I need to present the evidence against Glass to the Prince. It's not much, but it's what I've got. And Prince Hale is my only lawful shot at getting any measure of justice for Lawrence and Aaron. Three checkpoints of armed ghouls clear my arrival. When I board, Primogen Glass is already waiting with Prince Hale. The two chat, all comfortably ensconced in a pair of deck chairs like they've been there all night. Usher stands behind the prince, near the railing. Kid, good to see ya. We were just talking about you. Primogen Glass, your majesty. Please sit, Mr. Reed. Your message said you had some critical evidence to present. I'd prefer to stand if that's okay with you, and yes, I do. And this evidence, you believe, implicates Primogen Glass in the destruction of your sire? Yes, Your Majesty. I thought we settled this. You lied to me. Did I? Yes. You said that you and Lawrence were friends. Ah, uh, that. A white lie, at best. Your sire had just died. Didn't see the need to insult his memory, given your, shall we say, violent and bloody reputation. You lied. Yes, I'm a known liar. You weren't friends, you were enemies. Enemies. Love the drama. Enemies, no. Political rivals, of course. Mr. Reed, surely you have more than mere conjecture? I do. Titus. Can I call you Titus? I'm going to call you Titus. Titus, I want you to stand there and think about the choice you have in front of you. Take a moment. Reflect. You turn around and walk away. Right now, no harm, no foul. I get it. You're an emotional kid. Call me kid one more time. One more fucking time. And what? What will you do? Violate the sixth tradition in front of the sovereign prince of Port Saga? How's that going to work out for you, you think? Which is the only thing stopping me from ripping your intestines out through your mouth. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you. Mr. Reed, are you insinuating I executed the wrong individual? No, Your Majesty. I suggest the executed individual was the weapon, but not the hand. Explain. I believe Primogen Glass used your clan's mastery of the mind and planted a trigger in Aaron McKenna's mind. Once that trigger was activated, she fell into a fugue and followed a pre-programmed order to kill Lawrence. I suggest he mentally manipulated her into committing a crime she otherwise wouldn't commit. I see. He hated Lawrence. Hate is a strong word. He cost you money. Sure. He cost you standing. That's debatable. You were jealous of his friendship with the prince. Clan Ventru appreciates healthy competition. I wouldn't call it jealousy. And you have the power to manipulate individuals into committing crimes. I certainly do, yes. The night Lawrence died, you turned off all the cameras. Primogen Quill requested a party at Club Neptune. I made sure the cameras were down for the duration to protect the masquerade. Standard operating procedure. Using your security company? Yes. The same security company you used to gather information on Clan Malkavian? Now where did you get that? Answer his question. Yes, 
I used my company to compile a few addresses. The locations of every Malkavian in the city. Their havens, their places of interest. Yes. To hunt us. Us? Who's us? I thought you were slumming it back in Moonlight Bay. The only reason to compile a list like this. It's a precaution. Just in case I ever went to war with your sire. You think Lawrence didn't know the best places to hit me? You think the other Primogen don't have lists exactly like this? This is how the game is played. Motive means opportunity. I lured Aaron away from the party and manipulated her into killing Lawrence. That's what you think. Yes, I do. Don't say I didn't give you a chance to walk away, but you decided to bet against me. Usher, make a note of it. Titus, there's only one problem with your theory. What's that? The night of the party. Primogen Glass was with me. What? The evening your sire died, during the hours you believe Primogen Glass manipulated Miss McKenna. Primogen Glass was with me. Here, discussing city business. The trap springs. Mr. Reed, I considered your sire a dear friend, but I believe I have indulged your delusions for long enough. Your Majesty. You have accused a sitting primogen of murder with no actual evidence or proof to support your claim. Furthermore, I ruled on this matter last week. Miss McKenna betrayed this city when she violated the first and sixth traditions. I executed her for those crimes. Your continued interference with this matter is a direct challenge to my authority, and I will no longer tolerate it. Sheriff Usher, please take Mr. Reed into custody and hold him at Cardiff House. Keep him there until I decide what to do with him. Yes, Prince. Usher smiles. An instant later, I feel a hand on my shoulder. You can go willingly, or I can stake you. Your choice. Episode 8. We're all mad here. Cardiff House. The massive estate sits beyond the borders of Port Saga on a 10-acre plot of wooded land. It was the former prince's home, before the beckoning called him. I wouldn't say Prince Reynolds was likable, but he was effective. As soon as the Anarchs won their first major U.S. victory in the mid-20th century and established California's Anarch Free State, he knew it was only a matter of time before they'd make their way east. He'd had decades to dig himself in like a tick. And to his credit, when the Bruja Theo Bell assassinated the child of the Ventru founder of the Camarilla at the Conclave of Prague in 2012, a lot of Anarchs thought this was their opportunity wrest control of Port Saga away from Reynolds. Reynolds was prepared and fortified. They couldn't get so much as a toehold. He then tasked guns like me and my coterie to clean up the rest. What he hadn't prepared for was the beckoning. I'm sure he held on for as long as he could, but I heard a couple of years after I left for Moonlight Bay, he disappeared just up and left one night, abandoned his position, his fortune, his estate, and the city. 
It was chaos in the wake of his departure, and if there's anything elders of the Camarilla do not like, it's the unpredictability of chaos. So, the elders determined Port Saga could no longer be ruled by anyone who might succumb to the call. After coming to consensus, they installed Adelaide Hale, a much younger kindred who they viewed as more of an executive director, while they were the board and the power behind her throne. Over the last handful of years, most of that original group of elders has fallen victim to the beckoning like Reynolds. I have no idea if any of them are left. Supposedly Quill is still around, but from the sounds of it, no one has seen him in a while either. Hale might be the only person in the city who knows the answer to that. But in the unlikely event Reynolds does reappear one night, Prince Hale continues to maintain Cardiff House, using it for Camry affairs of state and apparently as a prison. In the basement, beyond the wine cellar, is a solid concrete box. No windows, no furniture, no light, no air. Just a vault door and a pair of closed-circuit cameras. I could start punching my way through concrete or try clawing through the door, but even if I had the muscle, how far would I get with a ghoul monitoring everything I do 24-7? Usher can't be that far away either. I'm holding my own, to my credit. I hold off the ghosts of my mind, hovering expectantly, waiting for the chance to terrify me. The whispers, the memories, that stink of damp mattress in Martha's basement, the rattle of chains every time any of us moved. My ankle itches from a shackle that isn't there. I know it isn't there. I know it. I know. I know. It's like a ring of mosquito bites. You know you shouldn't scratch. Shouldn't? And I won't. The slot in the vault door slides open every so often and someone pushes a rat through it. Starving, I snatch the rat and bite into its tiny throat. It's a hardly satisfying snack, let alone a meal. They're doing this on purpose keeping me underfed, giving me just enough to keep a frenzy at bay, but not enough to risk using my Malkavian abilities. But I still have you. I always have you. And you, me, in truth. Like the beat poet said, the only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And in the middle, you see the blue center light pop. How long have I been here? Do you know? Three nights, possibly, if we count the number of dead rats in the corner. I don't know. It's hard to say. Time works differently in the box. Dead in the box. Undead in the box. I am Schrodinger's vampire. I struggle to maintain focus. I go over the events of the case. I replay scenes in my mind. 
Will I ever get justice for Lawrence or has my unlife ended before it has a chance to begin? What if Lawrence was wrong? What if he was weak? Got himself killed, didn't he? Is this how I'll get myself killed? Having listened to Lawrence, having tried to do what he thought was right? Maybe instead of rolling up on glass with a piece of paper, I should have just put a parabellum round through his skull. Well, what would you have done? Do you have a theory? Maybe I should have just pulled the network. I create ink from the guts of the rats and sharpen a tiny femur into a point so I can use it to write the music I play. E G B D F. Every good boy does fine. I must not be good, or I'd be just fine, right? Maybe this is what I deserve. <laughs> Does it count as going crazy if you're mad already? I've lost track of the rats, but I have plenty of ink. Alright, be honest with me. In your opinion, is it cliche for a vampire to play Mozart's Moonlight Sonata? Mozart would have made an excellent Malkavian. If we had Mozart, the Toreador would be the ones to lose their minds. Not a number 14. 201 measures and 15 minutes long. I play it four times. It means an hour has passed. Anyone can learn the first movement. It's the third that separates the professionals from the hobbyists. I agree. Moonlight Sonata is cliche, as you say. Very sharp point. A C-sharp point. Here's a rat for your reward. I'm sorry it's so minor. <laughs> What else do we know in C-sharp minor? What else do we know? What else do we know? What else do we know? Rachmaninoff. Prelude in C-sharp minor. Opus 3, number 2. Also known as The Bells of Moscow. Easily his most recognizable piece. The story is that one night he had a dream. The dream began with him walking into a funeral and in the center of the room was a coffin. Slowly he approached the casket, wary of who had died. Who had he lost? Who would he lose? Was this a memory or a prediction? Every step by wary step, anxiety tightened its grip, squeezing him until he reached the coffin. And there, laying dead inside it, he saw himself. Confronted with his own inevitable demise, terror overwhelmed him. One day he would die, and nothing could stop it. Nothing holds back nature's demand that life must turn to dust. Thank God vampires exist, right? But even then, you still end up a pile of dust. Would I be going insane if I wasn't mad already? Clan Malkavian isn't insane. We're just ahead of the curve. Adapting and coping and surviving an already insane world. Billionaires shoot themselves into space while billions starve on Earth. This goddamn ankle. Am I eight again? Hear me. Listen to me. Every moment I play for you is a moment the kids are spared. I'll play. I'll play. I'll play for you to prove how much I love you. And I do. I still love you. Even after all these years. 
What am I gonna do? You. I'll play for you if you help me. Anything you want to hear. Whatever will make you happy. Have I not kept you entertained and made you part of the story? Together, all threaded together and bundled in this madness network, you and me. Please help me. Yes, I am talking to you. Get me out of here. Please? Can he hear us? Yes. Though he is talking to others only I can hear. You have to beat time when you learn music. But he won't stand a beating. We're not on good terms anymore. He and me. Titus, it's Marlo. I'm here with Ezra. Can you hear me? It's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. Look for proof of what is real, Titus. Feel the texture of my hand. Hear the timbre of my voice. See the color of my eyes. Realize and remember. Remember? Remember and banish illusion. Ezra? I'm... How long? Four nights. Lawrence is dead. This I know. So is Aaron. This I know as well. I messed up. We all do from time to time. Why are you here? I am Diogenes with his lantern. I am here to save an honest man. I have seen the signs, read the portents. Your journey will not end here. You sure about that? Certain. Whoa. Titus. Hi, Marlo. You look... You look great. I see you found something to write with. That's true. I think I'm going to go give my report to Usher. Of course. What report? On the SI, we have a lead. St. Michael's Church. Father Francis, the Society of Leopold. Supposedly, he was part of the London Massacre. He's got a cell of six or so, but Constance already took out two of them. We're closing the net as we speak. That's great. I'm sorry you're not going to be there with us. I'd have liked to see you in action. I'm going to go talk to the sheriff now, Titus. Don't run off anywhere. You should have summoned me before accusing the kings. I didn't want you involved. And yet, I am involved and powerless to change the cause of your imprisonment. I'm sorry. I will advocate for you, of course. 
remind the court of the pain endured by a lost sire and friend. Remind the court of good works performed. I went after a venture and missed Ezra. I'm done. Always, always remember, when one door closes, another opens. Be safe, Titus. I wait for the door to lock behind him, but it doesn't. Seconds pass. Nothing. Still nothing. I'm going to go talk to the sheriff now, Titus. Don't run off anywhere. An invitation as she distracts Usher. When one door closes, another opens. As Ezra leaves the door open. Out of the basement, I make myself unseen. Hunger twists my stomach. I brace myself against the wall. My legs barely hold me. I only have a moment, maybe, before the ghoul on the other end of the camera figures out I'm gone and notifies the sheriff. I don't believe we have much Marlo has pulled Usher into a different part of the house, giving me a chance to slip out the side and disappear into the dark. I venture into the woods surrounding Cardiff House and pick up my pace. No phone, no beeper, no watch, no weapon. I'm 12 again, running with Frankie. He's carrying Mike, while I have Jenny in Robin's hands, leading them along, running for our lives, cutting our feet on rocks and cheeks on branches. I need to feed. I need to go somewhere no one will expect me to be. I don't stop at the first house, or the second. It's nine houses before one shows promise. Single story, isolated, Dodge Charger in the driveway, late 80s at best. Not the kind of car you use to take kids to school. Through a window, there's the telltale flicker of a television. I sneak up, glance through, see a guy, alone, watching some late night show. As he laughs, I pop the window. As he laughs again, I enter and make my approach. Normally I'd wait for him to sleep, but I simply don't have the time. The Charger drives like a dream. I know you're just getting started in your unlife, but eventually, if you haven't already been assigned to one, you're going to throw in with a coterie. When I was ready to be on my own, there were three other neonates about my age. Aaron, Sasha, and Sparrow. So Prince Reynolds threw us together, told us to work as a team and go murder some anarchs. And we obliged. During those early years, the four of us lived together, fed together, occasionally slept together. Not gonna lie, it was a lot of fun and games and running around with superpowers. So let me just say this, because a lot of older, especially Camarilla, vampires are going to stick their nose up at it, but young as you are, it is a-okay to have a good time parkouring across the city. I don't know what made these crusty old elders dull as doornails, 
but all they appear to want to do is sit in low-lit rooms staring at each other while sniffing the aroma of tea. Listen, I get it. You want to be somebody. You want to be a name people recognize. You want a reputation, clout, power. You may even want other kindred to think you're dangerous. All of that will come in time. For now, savor the passion and ferocity of your first few years. And I say this because the moment your sire says you're on your own, and you are recognized as a neonate within the Camarilla with all the rights and privileges therein, there will be some 100-year-old kindred who sees themselves in you and insists on having you turn out just like them. I've never met a vampire who doesn't love to see themselves reflected in everything they touch. Every one of us is a vainglorious fuckwit. But back to my point. Don't try to lone wolf it. Commit to your coterie. Be there for them, even when it feels like they haven't been there for you. Because one night, they will come through for you. Even if it's from beyond the grave. Aaron's moved the furniture around and redecorated some. But the place is nearly the same as when the coterie left it. He lucked out with Sparrow. He was handy as fuck and a guy who liked to use his hands. Do you know what he liked to do to pass the time? Ikea hacking. I didn't realize it was a thing until I'd met him. And you might laugh thinking this is the most unvampire thing to be into. But he turned a bookshelf into a mudroom bench. Which is useful when you come home covered in the blood of your enemies. He used a towel rack to make a charging station. Great for keeping your burners organized and he transformed a kitchen island into a weapons locker. But the thing he was most proud of was when he turned a cheese grater into a lamp. Simpler times. Where are you? He carved out secret stashes for all of us, and I wonder if Aaron was still using hers. Bingo. One Beretta 92, one box of custom 9mm Dragon's Breath rounds, one roll of bills, looks like about five grand, and a folded piece of paper with a list of names on it. Dates, locations, Keisha Troy, Marcus Pratt, Danny Takashi. We've heard these names before, right? Aren't they the Thin Bloods tags mentioned? The ones you said Aaron killed? But why keep a list? Was it guilt? Over a couple of Duskborn? And what is this? The smell of dried blood practically knocks me over. A 90s grunge outfit. The one Aaron wore to the party. If she confessed, why did she hide her clothes from that night? Was it instinct? Or was it something darker? Like wanting to keep the last of Maya with her? <sighs> what the... Laying in the bottom of the garbage bag is a platinum wig. Styled precisely like the one I pulled out of the storm drain. If... 
If there are two wigs, does this mean that there are two errands? And if former Sheriff Everhart is who brought her back here that night, then I have some questions for Rebel. Episode 9 The Lesson of Paybach. The Port Saga Railroad used to haul steel and supplies west to Richmond until the 1980s, when the U.S. started buying more and more steel from foreign countries. As the need for domestic material dwindled, so did the need for shipping lines out of Port Saga. As the railroad pulled freight cars out of service, they stored them here, in the railroad graveyard. This is Rebel's territory where she goes to, as Ezra says, play with her trains. I can see the appeal. It's like organized chaos with mismatched cars packed on the dead ends of rail lines. Row after row of entrances, exits, tunnels, and traps. Rebel? Fuck! Fuck! A single shotgun blast won't kill you, but it still fucking hurts. I've wanted to do that for a long time. You fucking shot me! Next one's taken off your head. Come on, I'm here to talk! I should box you right here. Hand you over to Hale. Maybe get my badge back. Rebel, I'm sorry. She'd still be alive if it wasn't for you. I know. Where do you think she learned all that cowboy shit? Going it alone, head first, bucking authority. You're right. But right here, right now, I need you to listen to me. You answer one question. After that, if you want me to leave, I will. You want to shoot me in the back or turn me over to Hale? I won't blame you. Rebel? How's that sound? Don't rush me, motherfucker. Okay. What's the question? That night, at Maya's house, when you found Aaron, was she still wearing her platinum wig? What? Was she still wearing her... Yes. Why? Because I found a second one. Another platinum wig in a storm drain right outside Neptune. What are you talking about? I'm going to slowly open up this bag. I want to show you something. Do not shoot me. These are two wigs. Exact same color, exact same design. This one I fished out of the drain. This one I grabbed out of Aaron's haven. Go on. You took her back to her place, right? To clean up and change clothes? If she was wearing this when you found her, who was wearing an identical wig outside Club Neptune? Meaning someone else killed Lawrence? Wearing Aaron's face? Yeah. How? Malkavians have that ability. But if they were masked like that, why would they need a costume while using your magic invisibility cloak thing? Why would they need a wig? Lawrence had pretty good sight. Probably as good as Ezra. He might have been able to pierce through it. Costume was a redundancy, a, a, a backup. In case the Aaron illusion failed, I'm not even sure what I think. Well, how'd the wig end up in a storm drain? I don't know. Maybe it fell off in the scuffle. 
Maybe the impersonator tossed it during their escape. Hold up. They would have needed to know exactly what Aaron was wearing to the party. They would have needed to know exactly how to draw Aaron away from the party. And they, they would have needed a way to trigger her fugue state, and for a long enough duration, to assassinate Lawrence. It gets worse. To impersonate a specific person? That's a powerful ability. I don't know a lot of people who can pull it off. Can any of the Malks? Not that I'm aware of. Christ, Manas. That's what I'm thinking. Zelda. Or one of her people. Yeah, but before I go accusing another Primogen, I need to make sure. How? I have a plan. Don't suppose you want to come with me? Your car or mine? Well, mine's stolen. So... I'll get the truck. That's not a plan. That's conscription. Pretty much. You want to snatch Lysander, drag him to Club Neptune, and walk him through the crime scene? And make him psychically examine the area. How do you know he can even do that? I don't. See, not a plan. Why not use Ezra or your new friend Marlo? They're more likely to have the talent. I can't drag them any deeper into this. Oh, but I'm expendable. You're invested. How do you do that? Do what? Get idiots like me to do what you ask. Dragging Sasha and Aaron up to Moonlight Bay. Me letting you in on the investigation. Getting Ezra and Marlo to break you out of Cardiff House. Like a cockroach. Or a yeast infection. <laughs> There's just no getting rid of you. I don't know. Why did you decide to help me? I'm loyal. To me? To the system. You wondered how a Bruja sheriff ends up serving a Venture Prince. You really want to know why I didn't join the Anarchs with the rest of the Bruja? Yeah, of course. Because the Anarchs are a bunch of gangs fighting over ideas. Fighting over territory. There are no set laws, no system. Nothing to prevent one lick from killing another. I lived that life. And everything is great until you're beating someone half to death for wearing the wrong color. I don't care enough about politics to end up a pawn in someone else's turf war. Theobel kills Hardestat, and now I'm a traitor because I didn't back his play? I don't know either of those two from Adam. I don't know Belle's true motivations. No one but Belle knows that. And that said, I do know the people in Port Saga, and they know me. And in a society where you literally cannot trust anything or anyone, I'm not going to let some bruja I've never met decide who's my friend and who's my enemy. At least in the Camarilla, there are rules. Not even a prince can violate the masquerade. Not even an elder can kill someone without permission. So someone killed Lawrence, and if it wasn't Eren, then that someone's gotta pay. What about the Thinbloods? Thinbloods got a choice. Take the brand or go elsewhere. Keisha Troy, Marcus Pratt, Danny Takashi. Who? They get a choice? Don't sit in judgment of me, cockroach. Where'd you even get those names? Found them at Eren's place. So? This is a list of Thinbloods. Yeah. And you were hunting them? Yeah. Did Aaron kill these guys? Doubt it. She would have told me. So why does Aaron have a list of three Thinbloods you didn't catch and didn't kill? Maybe she was tracking them in her own time. I feel like there's something you're not telling me. I don't know why Aaron had that list. That's the truth. If you don't want to believe me... I believe you. 
Authorities in Port Sagar are searching hey, turn this up. serial arsonist who may be responsible for setting several fires in recent weeks. Properties include the Sunshine Park Recreation Center, a private residence in the Still Mill District, Rhythm Section, a local music shop on Victory Beach, and Lock and Load, a gun store on Oceanside. Christ. Authorities have not pulled The gun store on Oceanside. It's run by a venture ghoul. It's where we get our dragon rounds. I used to teach at Rhythm Section. Sounds like the Inquisition's on the warpath. Which means we don't have a lot of time. Whoa, 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 T, baby. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Walk me through it again. Jesus fucking Christ, what fire monster crawled up your ass and died? Just do what he says, Lysander. Uh, I do not feel properly incentivized. Here we are, outside Club Neptune, right where it happened. Now, walk me through it again. You know, I don't have to do anything either of you say. You're not the sheriff anymore, and you're wanted by the law. Has a blood hunt been declared yet? No. Then it's still just a misunderstanding. Now, walk me through it. Baby, I already told you I am tired of doing this shit for free. I'll work it out with you later. Can we just... Yes, we can. That's better. Tell me again. You're here, smoking. Then what? Like I said, I heard shouting. I walked over here. What were they shouting? What did they say? Bitch, I don't remember. I remember getting here. I see them over there fighting over the shotgun. Aaron tosses Lawrence in the fucking car. Shoots him twice. Tosses the gun inside. Kicks the door shut. Things go up in flames. Looks at me and disappears. Motherfucking voila. Wait. You were looking right at her when she vanished? Uh, yeah. Right at her. You really are one deaf motherfucker, aren't you? Yes. Right at her. Fuck. Fuck. I can't believe I missed it before. What? If I get out of your line of sight, I can vanish. But it takes a pro to disappear right in front of someone. I can't do it. I don't think Aaron could either. Can someone who knows how to create an illusion of a face also vanish right in front of people? Definitely. You know who I bet does that trick? Zelda. Yeah. Okay, hold up. Hold the fuck up. Bring it in a second. Are you two fucking telling me that you have now involved me in some shit that implicates the scariest bitch in this city? Both y'all can go right the fuck off with all that shit. Uh Uh-uh. Where exactly were they fighting? Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Any other time, T, and maybe we could have had this beautiful, fulfilling one-night stand, but you two are going to get my ass killed. No one is going to get anyone killed. Just touch that spot and read me the psychic echo. Uh, okay. I want to note that I am doing this under extreme duress. Noted. Now, please. I need to know what happened. They're struggling. Erin is cold, detached. Lawrence is afraid. Tossed into the truck. Shot. Fire. Pain. Mm. Before then? Mm, 
they're walking out of Club Neptune. Something isn't right. Lawrence is suspicious. Lawrence asks Aaron if she has found Serenity. Aaron's confused. Lawrence knows it's not her. He pulls off her wig. It goes flying. He's shouting, demanding to know who she is. Aaron draws the shotgun. They struggle. Serenity? It's a call and response. He uses a few of them. Lawrence asked if she found Serenity. She's supposed to say she's found Wisdom. But she didn't. Because that wasn't Aaron. I thought you said she was still wearing the wig when you turned the corner. I think what he's saying is that the wig got tossed during the fight. What Lysander saw was the illusion. You know, if Lawrence hadn't seen through the facade, they would have gotten in the car. Drove off. To where? Somewhere quiet. Um, Maybe back to Maya's? The killer could murder Lawrence without interruption and dump the murder weapon in Aaron's lap. Then call you. Um, baby, do y'all still need me here? Because I would like to not stand here for either of you to endanger me any fucking further. No, you can go, Lysander. Thank you. Thank you, fucking Jesus. I need a fucking drink. Lysander, you've been a big help. Seriously, I owe you one. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Let's never do this again. Okay, peace. So, how do you politely ask a Nosferatu if they assassinated a Malkavian primogen? I think we just asked them. So, we're sticking with stupid. Got it. Zelda! You owe me an explanation why! Titus? Do I? Why is there not one goddamn vampire in this entire city who can tell the truth? I do not lie. I surmise, assume, and occasionally exaggerate, but I never lie. Word games. Zelda stands under a lamppost, the light hitting the brim of her fedora casts a shadow across her face, but I can still see her smirk. You asked me who wanted your sire dead. I told you and provided evidence to that effect. Glass was meeting with the prince that night. Well, you never asked me who killed your sire. You only asked me if anyone had a reason to kill your sire. Your lack of thoughtfulness on the questions is your issue, not mine. I asked if any Nosferatu were at Club Neptune that night. You said no. Which is true. Bullshit. I know that someone impersonated Aaron. I know that someone impersonated her and then vanished in front of a witness. That takes a master. (laughs) You think I killed Lawrence? I think you did. Or you at least know who. Titus, Lawrence wasn't snatched in the dark and disappeared without a trace. That is how I deal with my enemies. Are you my enemy? The person who killed Lawrence is my enemy. If that wasn't you, then I kindly ask that you point me in the right direction. Think, child. Who has shown themselves to be combat capable? What have you seen appear before your very eyes? And what clan innately understands the need for stealth? The Banu Hakim. Usher. Yes. Usher killed Lawrence. 
Yes, though I can't tell you why. That you must uncover for yourself. Are you telling me? Usher impersonated Aaron, killed Lawrence, and then took my job and executed Aaron for the crime he committed? That is precisely what I am saying. Oh my fucking god! I'm gonna kill that motherfucker! I'm, I'm, I'm gonna carve out his heart and shove it down his fucking throat! Hey, calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Do not. Just don't. Don't. All right, all right. This is me dealing with my shit. I see that. How long you known all this, Zelda? How long have you been sitting on this? There's no profit in giving away secrets for free. Then why tell us now? Because it occurs to me there is profit in an open sheriff position, either by putting up one of my own or accepting a boon to promote another. Provided Hale takes the time, this time, to listen to the council. I'm taking this whole thing to Hale. Careful, Bruja. Hale's always treated me fair. She could have punished me when I refused her order, but she didn't. She'll hear us out. Well, she did fire you. <laughs> Hale isn't fair. She's practical. Do you remember Paybok? Yeah. Uh, Nosferatu Elder, incredibly powerful, served under Reynolds, so what? You weren't here for what happened. My turn for a story. So shortly after Hale took over as prince, one of the young Nosferatu murdered a Toreador's ghoul. So she had rebel detain this young Nosferatu at Cardiff House to await a decision. However, while Prince Hale was deliberating, Paybok walked into Cardiff House to release the young clan No one could stop him. We tried. He walked in, opened the door, and walked out. And now Prince Hale had a problem. This was the first test of her leadership. New as she was, she needed the city to respect her and her rule. Whether or not it was an accurate statement, she could not be viewed as a puppet prince of the elders with no authority of her own. It placed Prince Hale in a precarious position. If she did nothing, then inaction would reveal her as weak. If she tried to punish Paybok, he would either refuse or use his brute strength to do as he wished. What did she do? She parlayed with Paybok. During that parlay, she asked if Paybok, as one of the elders who supported her ascension, supported her praxis. He said yes, of course. Then she explained that if the elders wanted her to execute their demands, the city had to believe in her sovereignty. Walking in and freeing a clanmate just because he could only made her appear weak and ineffective, which put the elders in the same position as when Reynolds left. Paybok saw her point, so she asked him to assist in strengthening her position. She explained the importance of pageantry and spectacle and asked him to play along. He agreed and they struck a bargain. Paybok would show contrition at court 
he would submit to public staking and incarceration at Cardiff House for an agreed period. So the date for her to hold court arrives and the city kindred show up. I walk Paybock out to this menacing-looking table. It was a slab with attached chains and thick straps. She had me secure him to the table with the chains and belt him down so he couldn't move. That is when Prince Hale revealed a jagged tooth knife and used it to cut sinister lines into his flesh. Paybock, of course, put on a dramatic show. You could tell he was enjoying himself and the attention. She asks me to hand her the steak. I do. And with a flourish, she sinks the wood into his chest. Okay, so I'm not following why any of this matters. Because once Paybock was paralyzed... Hale asked Rebel for her sword. Which I gave her. With the sword in hand, Prince Hale said, I am prince of this domain. Disrespect me and the laws of this domain at your peril. And then she brought the sword down upon his neck. And Paybok met his final death. But that's not what they... Not what they agreed to? There was no boon exchange or contract signed. Paybok was foolish enough to take a vampire simply at her word. Prince Hale rid herself of the most powerful vampire in her city and took his place. Your point? Prince Hale is a Ventru prince. She believes in her divine right to rule as a king. If you bring her anything less than irrefutable proof, she will end you both. Her patience for meddlesome youth only stretches so far. I see. That gives me a lot to think about. And I do hope that you think through your next moves. I like your chutzpah. I would hate to see it snuffed out. Yeah. Sorry for barging in. It's forgotten. Oh, and Titus? Yeah? Check your messages. And with that, Nosferatu disappears. You still got that burner? Yeah. Can I borrow it? messages. Last message at 11.10pm. Titus, I don't know if you're getting these, but it's on. We're hitting St. Michael's in 20 minutes. Thought you should know. We gotta go. What is it? We're late for a party. Episode 10 I make no promises. An altercation between an inmate and a guard during a security check at the Port Saga Correctional Facility has deteriorated into a dangerous riot. Kickatan County Sheriff Department has sent additional deputies to the location and asked for Port Saga residents to please stay in their homes. The riot comes while Peninsula Law Enforcement is already experiencing severe staffing shortages. Sounds like the Venture are already at work. We have to park the truck two blocks away from St. Michael's and hoof it to the church. Between construction barricades, stalled cars, double-parked delivery trucks, and a traffic accident, they've locked down a decent-sized masquerade perimeter. 
I'm also sure reported gas leaks prompted evacuations of any residential buildings neighboring the church. We need to get eyes on Usher. You take the front, I'll take the back. Stay hidden. If Usher sees you, he'll kill you. I vanish as I make my way to the rear entrance courtyard. I don't see any civilians. There's security ghouls posted around the church. I slip through the net undetected and enter St. Michael's. I step over two corpses. First is a dead priest with his face blasted off. Second is a vampire I don't recognize, already in the process of decomposing. I head down the hall, pistol in hand. Inside the sanctuary, the nave is a blood-soaked battlefield. Red splatters paint the marble floor. Whole rows of pews have been upended, and a priest lays dead by the altar with his body cut in half. I turn to see Frank pinned underneath the heavy pew. His shoulder is dislocated, and a deep gash runs up his leg. Coated in blood and ash, he manages to point his sword at me. Charlie, how poetic. Here to finish me off. I'm not here to kill you, Frank. My soul is prepared. Is yours? <coughs> Do you even have one? You don't look so good. Let me help you. Help me? I can feed you some of my blood and I will not drink death's poison and let you turn me into one of your slaves, fiend. Fine. Have it your way. But I need to get you out of here. One of my people could come through any minute. Do not touch me! If you want to kill me after, that's fine. But let me save you first. I would rather die than... Oh, shut up, Frank. <coughs> I holster my weapon and call in my blood. For a moment, I have the strength of five men and easily lift the pew off Frank. I use my coat as a tourniquet and pull him over my shoulder to fireman carry him out of the sanctuary. The scent of his blood is strong, but I do my best to ignore it as we exit out the back. We stick to the shadows and cut through the perimeter. I carry him clear of the chaos to a neighborhood park and set him against the base of an oak tree. Rifling through his pockets, I find a cell phone with the screen crushed. The emergency button lights up. I tap it and call 911. I need to get back. You should have let me die, Charlie. You didn't let me die when I wanted to. And I'm not going to let you die either. If anything, this makes us even. I didn't save your life to have you toss it away. I get why you think that. And I get why you want to protect people from monsters, but I swear to you, I'm trying to do the same. You're a walking corpse who drinks the blood of the living. I may be undead, but I still have a soul, Frank. I still feel pain and loss and regret. For what? For not getting us out of there sooner. For not staying in touch after. We were children. We weren't responsible. But we're responsible now. You and me. I'm not naive. I know there's a secret war between yours and mine. I can't do anything about that. But right here. Right now. Tonight. We can live to fight another day. Or we can hunt down Carl and Martha, wherever they are. Together. You should have called me. I could have helped you. I know. But who's to say it would have turned out any differently? 
If I see you again, I make no promises. I know that too. And with that, I slip into the dark. I know what you're thinking. Letting him live is a mistake. I'm being sentimental. And sentimentality is for poets and playwrights, not vampires. If Constance is right, if he's a true fanatic, then I've left Frank to slay again. But I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. In the aftermath of the fight, I make my way to the staging area, dragging the faceless dead priest behind me. Marlowe's there. So's Usher, Rebel, and Constance. Is that Frank? Yep. Good kill. How'd we do? We lost three. Mr. Reed. Usher. I know he's faster than me, so I drop first. He killed Lawrence. Whoa, wait, everybody. Suddenly, everyone's got their weapons out. I'm trained on Usher. So's Rebel. He's trained on me. Marlo and Constance don't know where to point. Do you deny it? Who would believe the word of a criminal? That's not a denial. We found the wig. The one you wore to impersonate Aaron. What happens when I hand that over to Marlo here? Or Ezra? What do you think they'll see? Slowly... Marlowe and Constance direct their weapons at Usher. It's four against one. You killed Lawrence. You killed Aaron. That is what I was made to do. Why? What did you have against them? Against Malkavians? I have nothing against either of them or your clan. I was hired to do a job. Who hired you? Usher stands in stoic silence, unwilling to provide us with his employer. Around us... Shadows lengthen, darken, and pull away from the concrete. Even with your shadows, Constance, I will still take two of you with me before I fall. An acceptable wager. While Usher and Constance play vampire chicken, Marlowe flashes a mini cassette recorder. The same one Constance sent us. This is about to get very messy for you, Usher. I will provide my employer if you guarantee I won't suffer any repercussions from the prince. I can't guarantee that. I can. How? Trust me. Okay, then. No repercussions. Seriously? Rebel. We're letting this guy walk? I don't like it either, but we need to think long game. Oh, this is bullshit. I know. But we'll come back around and deal with this asshole our way. You can certainly try. Are we agreed then, Usher? You walk in exchange for a name? We are agreed. So talk. Primogen Dante Mendoza. What? Why is it always fucking Tremere? Why did Mendoza want Lawrence dead? Our agreement was for a name. I have provided you that name. Time's up, folks. We gotta go. What? We gotta go right fucking now. It's alright. Usher? Why don't you come with me? Titus, go do what you have to. What about Constance? Someone has to stay behind to set the church ablaze.
Where are we going? To kill a Tremere. We can't do that. Why the fuck not? Whoa, okay, okay. Simmer down there, partner. If I were any less simmered, your arms would no longer be attached to your body. I'm just saying if Usher confesses and Mendoza isn't around to confirm it, then it's the word of a Banuaki mercenary versus a dead primogen. Hale can just dump the whole thing on Usher and sweep it under the rug. We need to bring him in alive. Alive is not going to stop me from punching that motherfucker in the face over and over again. He just needs to be able to talk. That's all. Fine. Okay, just, I don't know, maybe you can think of cute kittens or baby penguins? I really don't want to be trapped in a moving truck with a frenzying bruja. Make no sudden movements. Earlier, I wasn't entirely forthcoming. Yeah, I figured. When Hale first became Prince, we had this thin blood come around looking to join the Camarilla. Prince was skeptical, but Mendoza sponsored them. He wanted to study the Duskborn. I guess they have this type of blood magic the Tremere haven't been able to get their heads around. So? So, later on, Hale found out Mendoza's experiments weren't entirely ethical. Borderline torture. The Duskborn didn't mind, but Hale didn't want it getting out that Port Saga was torturing Thinbloods, so she ordered Mendoza to stop. What happened to the Thinblood? I'm not sure. Left town, disappeared. The Prince worked out some kind of deal, I guess. But that's when the prince tasked me with hunting the Dustborn down and giving them the choice. I wanted Erin's help, which is why I sent her to Mendoza. We both know she needed to get her mind in shape for it. And his sessions helped her. They really did. Once she felt confident, I brought her into the project. Those three names. Why do you think Erin killed them? I don't know if she killed them. But the local Thinbloods think she did. I think she handed them to Mendoza. I think he was using his access to her to mess with her head so she'd supply him with test subjects. It wasn't your fault. Wasn't it? I was her mentor. I was responsible for her. Rebel takes point as we enter the Wyth building and pass Mendoza's office to head straight toward his research lab. We turn the corner and thick, sturdy-looking panes of glass separate us from Mendoza, who is standing behind a table with an exsanguinated corpse splayed on it. Behind him is blood in various states of dilution and experimentation. While centrifuges spin, he hovers above the hinged open chest cavity of the corpse, about to cut out the heart with his scalpel. So engrossed in his work, he doesn't see Rebel kick open the glass door. Drop the scalpel. (sighs) I suggest you abandon this reckless course of action. Nope. The Duskborn are an evolutionary step toward the perpetuation of our species. If we can understand the nature of their constitution, then we can survive the 21st century. Aaron understood this. 
Put the scalpel down. I won't ask you a third time. There. I surrender. You're not even going to ask why we're here? If you're here, brandishing a weapon and reeking of righteousness, then I already know why. Why did you kill my sire? He was a direct threat to my own life. And I took steps to rectify the matter. What about Erin? She was a young Malkavian who served the greater good, and who deeply resented you for her loneliness. Indeed, her animosity toward you, Reed, was quite exceptional. Fuck you. A self-described defender of the meek, and yet the individuals in your immediate orbit are hardly safeguarded. Sasha, Aaron, Lawrence, curious how those you've sworn to protect ultimately pay the price for your behavior. I'm done with this. I barrel into the room and walk right into the trap. Fuck! Three blood magic. I cross a hidden ward and pain engulfs me as I drop to my knees. Mendoza takes advantage, grabbing me by the face and my blood boils. Rebel pounces, using her shotgun like a baseball bat to knock Mendoza across the room. Marching over to him, she pulls a stake from under her coat and rams it into his chest. But as soon as the point of the wooden shaft hits his sternum, the stake splinters into a thousand shards. Dante grabs her wrist and Rebel cries out. I raise my gun and fire. The dragon's breath round pierces Mendoza's shoulder and incinerates his arm. He rolls away from her to put out the flames growing across his body. Ripple pounces and just starts wailing on the career. Motherfucker. Is he in torpor? Yeah. We gotta move. Someone might have. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. The trap door. When I open it, a nauseating wave hits me. The smell of something dying. It's a bunker. With four sets of restraints, two of which are occupied. Pale and emaciated, their eyes filled with fear. It's a fear I recognize. Who are you? I'm here to help. You Marcus? Yeah, that's Keisha. What about Danny? You took her up earlier. We didn't get here in time. Something deep inside me snaps. Hold on a second. I stick the barrel of my gun against Mendoza's face. Hey, hey, wait. Wait. You said we needed him alive. He kidnapped and tortured those kids. If you kill him, Hale will kill you. I thought you wanted him dead. I do. But I also want him to know what he's lost. I want him to see everything he has destroyed right before they take his head off. I want the system to work. If you do this, then you're no better. And that's not justice for Lawrence. It's vengeance. If you cannot reason, you can be controlled. If you can be controlled, then you are not free. If I kill Mendoza, as good as that would feel, he will have determined my fate, not me. Let's free these kids and get out of here.
Oh shit! Marcus? Keisha? You, you're alive! Yeah, brother. Where's Danny? So, sorry. Who? Mendoza. Tremere Primogen. We've uh, got him in custody. Custody? Great. Meaning he's gonna pay a fine and walk free. He killed a kindred without permission. That's a death sentence in any Camarilla city. This one's all right, Tags. Him and the sheriff saved us. Former sheriff. Former? Is that right? Yeah. So, what are we eating? Nothing. Bullshit. I don't want anything. Any other lick, Titus, would be demanding a pair of life boons. I've been on the other end of that deal. It's no way to live. You contact Sparrow yet? Not yet. Then that's what you owe me. Get yourself and your friends out of Port Saga, and we'll call it even. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That I can do. Good. See you around. Oh. Titus? Yeah. You're one of the good ones, man. Don't let the cam fuck that up. The next night, Prince Hale calls a formal court in the aftermath of the attack on the church. Rebel and I decide to crash the party. A moment of the court's time, your majesty. Mr. Reed, I appreciate you saving me the trouble of having you hunted down like a dog. Someone, please place Mr. Reed under arrest. Rebel drops a body bag at Prince Hale's feet. May we present Dante Mendoza. I'm confident that if you search his mind, in addition to his lab at the university, you will find evidence of thin-blood incarceration, torture, and murder. Something explicitly forbidden within your domain. If Primogen Mendoza has violated my domain, he will suffer the consequences. But his actions do not absolve you of yours. You have assaulted a sitting Primogen, accused another, and continue to defy a lawful execution. Lawful? It would seem pallor has gone to your head, Adelaide. Alexander Quill, the elder primogen of the Toreador, enters the room flanked by Usher and Craven. And I suddenly feel like a bit player in a highly choreographed play. Primogen Quill, so good of you to join us. They tell me you executed the wrong person for the murder of primogen Lawrence Bennett, Adelaide. Miss McKenna endangered the masquerade and attracted the attention of the Second Inquisition. She also confessed to the murder of Primogen Bennett. You would know this if you bothered to attend court. Aaron didn't kill Lawrence. Quite right, Miss Everhart. Usher murdered Lawrence Bennett with the shotgun in the alley of Club Neptune. And he did so at the explicit instruction of Primogen Mendoza. You would know this if you bothered to remain devoted to our agreement. What are you even talking about? Has no one questioned why so many elders have succumbed to the beckoning after we made you prince? Why would they? Mm. Lovely performance. It's as if you were an actress in a different life, my dearest Adelaide. You mean Prince Hale? Hmm. 
No, I don't. Clan Toreador has come into possession of a letter written by Mr. Bennett. Says the man with a reputation for forgery. What prop have you created, Quill? Primogen Knox. Care to authenticate? It is Lawrence's handwriting. And what does it say? It informs Prince Hale of Dante Mendoza's experiments and the threat they posed. He asks to me with the promise of additional proof. Wait a minute, Ezra. What's the psychic fingerprint on that letter? It... it is Lawrence's. Clearly, Mr. Mendoza somehow discovered the contents of this letter, or perhaps intercepted it on the way to you. Imagine that, and afterward it somehow magically finds its way to you. We warned you about falling prey to the corruption of power, dear Adelaide. If you have an accusation, dare to speak it. Aside from executing the wrong kindred? It has been no more than a handful of years since Reynolds' disappearance, and yet most of the elders who lived here have very conveniently succumbed to the beckoning. Well, all except for Paybock. And me. We know what happened to Paybock. Was I to be next, Adelaide? Get rid of me and the entire city would be yours without having to answer to anyone. I don't have to answer to anyone, least of all you. Do not listen to this man. He is a liar, a con man, and a thief. Kindred of Port Saga, I am Alexander Quill, Elder and Primogen. Adelaide Hale has failed you. She executes the innocent. She brings the second inquisition to your door and demands you pay for it with your own lives. To that end, to restore justice to a city that is so dear to me, I humbly take up the mantle and claim the title of Prince of Port Saga. You are relieved of your position, Adelaide. I believe the Primogen Council will see through this waste of time. Willing to put it to a vote? Of course. Primogen, who do you call Prince? We call my sire, Alexander Quill, Prince. We call Alexander Quill Prince. Zelda. The Nosferatu have not forgotten Paybok. Edmund, you know who this man is. Port Saga is a critical component in our survival, not his personal playground. Why can't it be both? Sorry, Adelaide. Gotta side with the big man. We call Alexander Quill Prince. Primogen Knox? Yes. Clan Melkavian mourns the dead. We call Alexander Quill Prince. I see. Sheriff Usher, please take Primogen Mendoza into custody and escort Miss Hale off my new yacht. Yes, Prince. I can see myself out. Should I pursue? Let her go. She's harmless now. But if you could get that Tremere off my dance floor, I would appreciate it. Yes, Prince. What are you all standing around for? Let's have ourselves a party. Uh, Titus? Yeah? What just happened? I have no idea. 
I think I'm gonna go find some bar hoppers and get very, very drunk. Mr. Reed! Raven, I've been meaning to contact you. No need. By the word of Prince Walsh, he considers your debt of time to him served. What? You no longer have any obligations to the praxis of Moonlight Bay. Okay, that's random and arbitrary. Too random and arbitrary. Something isn't right. Did someone purchase my debt? Zelda, maybe? Or... or... Congrats, kid. Couldn't help it over here. How's it feel to be free? Very confusing. I'm gonna step outside for some air. And when you do, make sure to look up at the sky, because I have a feeling your star is on the rise. You're missing the party. I'm not sure what we're celebrating. Justice for Lawrence. And for Aaron? Was this the plan all along? Find a reason for Mendoza to move against Lawrence? Pin Lawrence's murder on an innocent? Wait for Hale to execute said innocent? Then use some poor sap to expose the whole thing and have Quill ride in and save the day? That's quite a vivid imagination you have. Did Lawrence really write that letter? Mendoza sure thought he did. How'd you get the psychic fingerprint? Hypothetically speaking, stealing Lawrence's stationery from his briefcase during a Primogen meeting. Hale never did anything to those elders, did she? Who's to say? Ventru are ambitious. It isn't entirely unlikely. You just gave a Ventru nothing to do except plot her revenge and reclaim her praxis. With the SI in town? Hmm, that could be distracting. Wait, did the Toreador do that too? Oh no, there's a difference between taking a gamble and being suicidal. Alexander is anything but suicidal. You used me. We used each other. I thought we were friends. We are friends. You have got to stop taking every single little deception so personally. <laughs> Now I get it. What you said about truth? Truth doesn't matter. All that matters is what the most powerful kindred in the room says matters. And it sure does pay to have your sire sitting on the throne when it comes to truth. Except now mine is dead. I liked Lawrence. And it's upsetting that Mendoza murdered him. Or that Aaron decided to set a building on fire. But they made those choices with information you forged and planted. Look, I get it. I do. Things are more straightforward in the Bay. Walsh has all of you pointed at an enemy who slaps a symbol on everything they wear. It's good guys versus bad guys. You're either on team or you're not. Port Saga is more complicated. It's a tank full of sharks who smell blood in the political waters. It's okay if it's not your kind of game. Nothing is keeping you here anymore. You revealed Lawrence's actual killer and cleared your friend's name. You should go. Go back to Moonlight Bay. Go anywhere you like. Actually, you know what? I think I'll stick around and be Ezra's whip. Really? Yeah. 
He'd be ashamed to leave after making so many great friends. When did you make that decision? Just now. All right. Well, I guess I'll be seeing you at the next Primogen meeting. I wouldn't miss it. Game on, Marlo. Game on. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga. Created by Rachel J. Wilkinson, with voice performances by Dayin Geist, Satine Phoenix, Kat Mermelstein, Kalina Anderson, Andrew Alandi, Sean Patrick Judge, Ryan Omega, Riley Silverman, Greg Berry, Rachel J. Wilkinson, Brad Hardwick, Matthew Webb, Ken Pickering, Luke Hales, and Ricky Kramer. Portions of this podcast are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com.